everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 68. I'm back in the basement with my co-host and teenage son, Jackson. Say hello, Jack. Hi. And we're here to talk about another week of wrestling action. Not to spoil anything, but I did not think it was a great week of wrestling action. Any of the three shows that I cover on here were a bit yeah. below average, I would say, this week. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, we've got, uh, I don't know, any big plans for... Did you have a good week, I guess? Um, I guess. <laughs> It was fine. It was fine. Big plans today. We've got your brother has a basketball game and due to still some lingering COVID stuff, most of the gyms are not accessible to his team. So we get to travel an hour down to the city, even just for his home games. But yeah, we're going to make an afternoon out of it. Go for something to eat. Go to a different sort of mall or something to do a little shopping just to get out for the day. So that's what's on tap for us. So... Just to update you, I have not done any ROH podcasts lately. I usually do a solo mission, but they, they are sort of just a lame duck company right now, about to sort of take several months off at least. So I don't know if I'll substitute something else for doing ROH, but I've just sort of stopped at this point. I'm not sure. I might watch the show, and if I think it's interesting, maybe I'll come back and talk about it. I right. saw they did do a show, but it's just kind of like they're running out the clock at this point, right? And I'm not super yeah. interested in investing time watching and talking about it. So I might replace it with something else. But uh, yeah. anyways, if you'd like to contact us, fnswrestling at gmail.com, fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram, or leave a comment in the YouTube. In the YouTube? <laughs> yeah. Can I promise I will get back to you no matter what. Everybody that reaches out to us gets a reply for sure. Well, anything else you wanted to talk about? No. You're planning I to go don't. see a movie tomorrow? Yeah, I don't really want to, but yes. You don't want to see the movie? You're, Not really. But is this because you're a completist? First of all, what's the movie? Yes. Let our listeners know. Uh, The new Marvel movie, which is Eternals. I don't know. Ever since I've seen the trailers for it, heard about it, it just does not interest me. It's a bunch of characters that have never been talked about ever. Right. Which, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy ended up well. It which, did. Um, for but sure. But this one is 10 new characters 10 like the group eternals who are the main characters there's 10 of them yep so that's already 10 new characters that you have to flesh out and introduce and then you also have the villains and then like maybe any side characters or anything so it just it seems like a lot i haven't heard great things me either the the fan reviews have definitely helped it out but like that's what i was telling you sometimes critics hate stuff and actual fans and viewers like that's not doing much for me because i already was pretty uninterested before the bad critic reviews so but but regardless it's a night out with your friends and you're a bit of a completist and then you guys can all complain together if it's bad and that's kind of fun like we'll do with nxt today and the next (laughs) movie in december which is spider-man that should should be better yeah nice uh, nothing new with me, just another week of school. Our schedule is sort of changing starting next week, which could be better, could be worse. I guess I'll find out. But yeah, I don't know. I say we get into talking about some wrestling, yeah? Yeah. All right, so the first thing we are going to do is talk about some wrestling news and rumors. So the ratings this week, Tuesday's live WWE NXT 2.0 drew 631,000 viewers which is down 15.41% from the week before, and they earned a 0.15 in the key demographic, which is also down 16.61%. And again, I always try to be fair and talk about competition if possible. There was strong competition for that show. You had the World Series was on, Election Night in the States was on cable, as well as some NBA games as the NBA season is underway. So not a great number, obviously down, but there was some stiff competition. 
Uh, to compare, Wednesday's live AEW Dynamite episode drew 878,000 viewers, so down 6.69%, earned a 0.33 in the key demographic, which is down 17.5%. So this is the lowest viewership and key demo rating for a Wednesday episode of Dynamite since July 7th, and really they didn't have a lot of competition, just the NBA, so really not a great week in the ratings for AEW, which, I mean, they were up over a million several weeks in a row, right? So this is a bit of a dip. I don't think it's anything concerning, but just a bit of a slip in the numbers this week. Nice. Yeah, and you? What do you have? Um, So we had um on Rampage a couple of additions to AEW's full gear card. Right. Um, The pretty much expected Punk-Kingston match will yes. be there. And then also the Super Quick versus Jurassic Express. And of course, we have to have Christian Cage. We do have to have him. Although, I He's do back. find it amusing. He went from challenging for the world title to being in a six-man tag, which I could see as the opener. Right. So Me too. I, I would really rather someone else, but I guess he's been involved in this for a while, so he kind of has to be here. Right. It's kind of sad, but I would rather Frankie Kazarian than <laughs> Christian Cage. You would rather. And they're similar age, though, if you're talking about old people. I mean. Yeah, but I think Kaz is better. Yeah. Um, so Zoe Stark, as we'll talk about on NXT, they sort of did an injury angle there where she was taken out by toxic attraction. Which is legitimate. Yes, and that is because she is to undergo knee surgery, explaining that sort of beat down injury angle. And from what I saw, no timetable for her recovery or return to the ring. That's too bad. Yeah, I only just saw a thing that the surgery is supposed to be soon. Right. So hopefully she has a quick full recovery and gets back because I enjoy her in ring at least. So that's too bad for her, but I hope she does well. Yeah. And so Survivor Series has had no build so far, right? I don't know if you've noticed. I but, haven't, but I believe um, you. That sounds like so possible. And so why that is is because their mentality when it comes to Survivor Series was that Crown Jewel was pushed so heavily, right? And that was pre, like the I think they really did kind of do a blow of themselves because yeah. they didn't have the draft take effect until after right. Crown Jewel. And so now they're trying to get these fresh feuds over and like all the all the sweat switch arounds and whatnot right. right and so they're content to leave the build until the final few weeks amazing because all you have to do is have the brands be like we want we just have a few qualifying brand matches. loyalty brand right. loyalty even then they just switch brands right um and like it took longer to take an effect if it had taken effect before crown jewel then there's at least a little yeah. more time there right right and you're gonna have like the qualifying matches the team captains for the teams that everyone yep. cares about and then like Probably a show invasion for some reason. We hate you because you're on a in a work for a different branch of the same company. Right. We and I may have be only like... been here for a month, but <laughs> that would be like um if it's the office and like freaking Scranton. Yes. Like yes. And which like, I guess they kind of did though. Yeah, but like I don't, or like they just keep switching branches and then they just or like... it'd be like the sales department hating accounting. Yes. Right. In... Which I mean they kind of. But At like it's different. Do, yeah. Like just like and like they just hate them just because they're in a different like, Right. You don't do the same thing as me, so I don't like you. Even though we worked together a month ago, some of them that just switched right. brands, right? I but don't like you anymore because you're not on the same show as me. I read somewhere that um Crown Jewel got WWE like close to sixty million dollars for that. Like fifty eight million dollars or something. Fun. Which Yeah, which I mean they're making lots of money, so they clearly aren't gonna lay off anyone else, nope. right? <laughs> no, why would, why would they ever do that? Uh, but anyways, Impact did. They have removed five wrestlers from their roster this week. So PW Insider reports the following have been removed. No way. TJP, Taylor Wilde, Petey Williams, and Tommy Dreamer. 
Um, no surprise with Dreamer, he's had some recent issues that have been pretty well documented lately from his past. Um, PD Williams apparently makes sense because he had a tryout with WWE recently and was backstage at SmackDown last week really? working, working as a producer with the company, oh, right? So, and personally, I'm not going to miss No Way. He didn't add anything during his Impact run. TJP, obviously really good in the ring. Character work, not so much for me. And just, he's been around a while. And my thoughts on Taylor Wilde are well documented. I will not miss her whatsoever. But PD Williams is a good hand and a good guy to like fill in sort of fill out those X Division matches. So they'll miss him a little bit, I think. Let's continue the train of people totally keeping their jobs. <laughs> right, totally uh, keeping WWE their jobs. WWE has released 18 wrestlers. Yes, in, they did. Or people, I guess. Amazing. Um, So I do have the list here. First off is Nia Jax. That's fun. I actually am Apparently could be tied into her not being vaccinated. And she sucks. Well, there is that. Although, and she hurts although if they were going to fire her because she sucks, she would have been gone years ago. I feel like they're really, really afraid Charlotte's going to leave and they're kind of catering to her. And because she seems to have issues with Nia Jax, right? I don't know. That's just me. I have no, obviously, Hey, whatever it is, I don't care. Nia yep. Jax is gone, so Bye, I am Jax. fine with that. Um, one of the most shocking ones, Keith Lee. Yep. Apparently, for him, it's because, what was the, the phrasing I used? It was uh, attitude reasons. Right, attitude issues era. The attitude issues era, and that is because I think he was a bit vocal about how the Bearcat stupid stuff. some of the gimmicks and things they want for him. So that's apparently the new trend is to just if you do speak up and complain, you have an attitude problem and you're on the chopping block. Right. Um, relate to Keith Lee, uh, Mia Yim. Yep. I don't really care. I don't. I've never loved her. She's not. She could be useful Great. somewhere, though. She's not. She's not. She bad. was dull, a bad hand, though, as a member of Retribution. Uh, 100%. And nothing else. Like, yes. I didn't love her in NXT, but she was just kind of there, yes. and then she just got killed in Retribution. Right. She and did. it's funny she did just get a reckoning figure. Yes. Out. So I yes, think that's and, pretty funny. Yeah. So I hope she lands on her feet somewhere. I don't um, have a much problem with. Yeah, her. Carrying Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux are gone. Right. And again, um, the thing was that Cross. I don't really care about cross going because i i think he sucks neither of us are big fans but when they cited or the reason reported i don't know if it's accurate is that he didn't get over when they made him like a knockoff demolition guy and took away his valet and i don't know if there's anyone in history of wrestling that would have gotten over quote unquote with that gimmick right so uh, to blame him for that is like pre-90s and we're not fans of him yet i'm still defending him here because that gimmick was not gonna get scarlet hasn't done anything since she she literally just got detached from Cross and then was just forgotten about. So yep. I don't know why they chose to do that, but they did. Yep. Um, Eva Marie is once again gone, which that makes all the sense in the world. And I'm not even being sarcastic. Like, why did they even right. bring her back? The, that's the question. She's no better in the ring. She's no better on the mic. She has not improved. She's a beautiful woman, but she can't do I anything else. I don't know else. about that. Like, the pink hair is stupid. Like, I don't know. She wasn't even all red every- many, everything. Many people find her a beautiful woman. She didn't woman. even get to have her all red everything entrance, nope. so she was literally a waste of space. And the storylines she did do with, like, Dewdrop and whatever were, were not good. So uh, Ember Moon? Yeah. I mean, really talented in ring, terrible on the mic generally i mean sometimes she was okay but i think she'll land on her feet somewhere I, yeah. i'd be happy to see that her in aew it. uh frankie monet is already gone ridiculous bring her in for a couple months do nothing with her and then just let her go yeah i wouldn't mind her in aew or no she i go think back that's to impact a good I feel like. they, again that women's division needs some some life in it so i would even say ember moon and monet yep 
or yeah, Taya Valkyrie. Sure. We'll call for her sure. by her official name. Yeah, I, I like that name better Me anyways. Me too. Um, Grandma Leek and Lindsay Dorado are gone. They have not been used, I think, ever. Like, my yeah. only real prominent memory of Metalik is he was in the finals of that first right. tournament. That one's been it. a long time coming because I think Metalik asked for his release a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, that sucks. Oh, I, I, I always kind of liked Metalik. I thought he was yep. pretty cool. Yeah, he's cool. Um, But I think if they were back in NXT in the Cruiserweight division, I feel like that would and be better. And Dorado's really good in the ring. Dorado's just, pretty good too, yeah. We met him, remember, in Toronto? Oh, in true. like a sports shoe store? I think store? it was like Foot Locker or something yeah, like that. Because that was, that was uh, pre-SummerSlam. That's right. Um, next, uh, Oni Lorcan, which yeah. it does make sense, but it's kind of sad. He's been there forever. I could see him being on like AEW Dark and Elevation and stuff, being like and sort of a. I could well, I could see him making some uh, diamond appearances, cause, like like Fish or something. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's around that level. I like watching him in the ring. I I'd like no to see problem. him face uh, Danielson. That'd yeah, me cool. too. That'd be amazing. Uh, next to Beef out of Hit Row, and I also saw things. She got released one week after signing yeah, her new contract. I saw that too. One week. She was awful in the ring. So yes, I don't know if but that's... she served a good purpose as Hit Row's valet. She's cool, yeah. So she just can't wrestle. Right. Well, then th- they shouldn't have pulled her out of developmental. She had two crappy matches, and then she got pulled out. I don't think any of Hit Row should be out. I think um, Top Dollar needs a lot of work, and I don't want to see them kill off Swerve. And I think that's a sign and of how little they really care about wrestling ability right it's kind of other stuff when they call them up and then they're like surprised that they can't wrestle you know what right. i mean but anyways yeah or like when they're pulling people up too early yes speaking of hit row um i think she's with swerve uh jesse kamea is gone she's gone right that's fine she sucks i don't know she's, she was not great she's got a good look she's athletic I, maybe she i was saying it might be one of those things where she's just not picking up certain people can't like pick up things athletically maybe that's the issue i don't know i, right, I can't like, see her anywhere else sometimes people are bad else, but... and they can improve but right. then like sometimes just like you're just it not might be good like at it. you're just not getting this right? right and how much time are we spending i don't know right um next we have uh, zeta amir who she was just an xt jobber so i don't think that matters too much no uh trey baxter yeah they did not do anything with him bad timing for him to sign but he'll go he'll be fine on the indies right or if he signs somewhere else but he can get lots of work or he was an impact a bit right he was so he could go he could back there back if he x division to. yep uh katrina cortez who is that masked uh female she's jobber. not very good she was just kind of there yeah uh jeet rama recently jobbed to uh solo Sokoa, yeah so that's right he's gone already and then harry smith former known as uh, David Hart Jr. Right. Uh, I think he was just backstage. I think he had a dark match. And they kept talking always oh, back, and maybe he's going to do something, and then and nope, then he's just, gone. Nope. Yeah. Yep. Um. So that's not great. And this has brought the release total for 2021 uh, up to 71 wrestlers right. this year that they have released, and so, other personnel, like 71 employees or whatever. So obviously they must be struggling financially, right? Of if they're course. cutting 70 something people in a I've year. I've heard of this has been a bad year for them. Oh, but wait, I have some third quarter oh. information oh, from okay. official I, I would love to hear it. official WWE website on their financials. So revenue for the third quarter uh was 255.8 million dollars, which is an increase of 15% or 34.2 million dollars from last year. So they are up. They are making tons of money. They're basically having yeah, a record year. I think it was like either earlier this year or last year. It was like they're making record profits and releasing, and releasing hordes of talent. Right. Whereas other companies, maybe even ROH to the point where it's going to cost them their company. Because right. they, they have didn't now release released, people until they literally are like going release out everyone. for a bit. Right. right. So yeah, they're saying due to higher ticket sales and some to a lesser extent uh, merchandise sales within the venue. So basically saying... 
it's up because we're back selling tickets and those people are buying stuff at the stadium. But anyway, still pretty disgusting that you're making that much money and releasing people, especially people that you like just signed and things. Right. And people, it's pointed out by some wrestlers, like they moved their life and their families to these oh, to yeah, Florida. Oh yeah, I just saw like it right? was like... Um, and then it's like, nope, you're gone. So right. ridiculous. I think I thought it was like Piper Niven moved her stuff and then right. she thought she was like getting forgotten or whatever. Yep. I would probably only buy stuff at the events if they had any cool figures there. Yes, that's or, true. Or like if I had a lot of money and they had a good replica belt. Cause I still want a replica belt. If I ever get a WWE title, I'm still gonna put my Dean Ambrose side plates on there. They're still sitting here, that is waiting true. to be put on a belt. Do you have any other news? Uh, no, I only have one more, but it's kind of related. Go as ahead. Kyle O'Reilly's WWE contract will be up sometime right. in December, so that's very nice. And I just saw. Remember, I told you he just had a dark match for SmackDown yeah. against Johnny Gargano, so we're a little bit scared. Either way that goes, I don't like because no. obviously they have to be scouting one of them at right. least. You would think. Uh, my last piece of news involves a good Canadian boy who got offered a contract by Impact Wrestling after his match with Josh Alexander yeah, at I, Destiny I, Wrestling. I saw this. And we have seen him live in an indie show. Speedball Mike Bailey is now signed with Impact Wrestling. If you haven't seen Mike Bailey, he looks like just your average like next-door neighbor kind of dude, but he is a martial arts wizard, and he is really fun to watch so fast. Obviously, the Speedball name is not you know, a coincidence. Um, so I really have high hopes for him. I really enjoyed the match we saw, right? It was against uh, like a, it was OWE and it was like Kung Fu slash wrestling. And he was, he was the main event of that show, right? I think. Uh, yeah, against that. that I forget guy. his name. Um, but anyway, so that's good news for him. I'm happy to see he's been having, I think, like issues with just because work visas or whatever the proper term is. So it looks like that's all sorted out. So good for him. Mm. All right, so that's going to bring us to the end of news and rumors, and we'll move into our first in-depth review, which is taking a look at this week's Grown NXT 2.0. So before we begin, I just wanted to clarify something, because I'm about to be very critical of this episode of NXT, and I'm pretty sure you are as well. But in most cases, especially when it's regarding promos and segments, like things not in the ring, I'm not, rare, very rarely am I blaming the talent themselves. Like most of these people are trying really hard and they're in an awkward spot of like learning their craft in front of an audience and they're le basically learning to act um, while it's televised. And they're trying to commit to these roles and the lines they're given, but it's just that those roles and lines are pretty poorly conceived, I think we can agree at best. Uh, and the performers in, in a lot of cases are being set up to fail, right? But uh, with that being said, I guess we should get into this week's episode of NXT, yes? Yeah. Okay, so we start out with your favorite, Mandy Rose. She's heading to the ring. Oh, in... I think she's exempt from what you just said because she is not new. She has had many years. But I don't think to she's that bad. So progress. I we, think we disagree she's not on great. her badness. She's but, not um, good. So as you notice, she got dueling chants of you deserve it and no, you don't. Which coming. I, I really like that. You agree That's with funny. half of the crowd there, right? I'm somewhere in between those two. I don't trust that you deserve a chance because I don't of course think there's not. a lot of people who, like, I mean. The you I, deserve I, it and the you've still got it to me are meaningless at this yeah, point. Yeah, and I, well, I don't even trust them for her because, I mean, I guess the people who, like, 
the people who like me and Roster are like think she's hot, I guess. Which I mean, based on what she continues to say, I guess that's all that matters, right? It is. That's it, the name even of the game. though she's interviewed saying that's not what matters, and she wants to prove more well, than that, that but she keeps coming back to that. Yes, right. The, yes. All all that seems to matter. So she gets a microphone. She tells us that she's at a whole other level, and that she beat the unstoppable, unbeatable Raquel Gonzalez for the championship, and she has proven that she's the baddest bitch in the company. She talks about how good she looks. There you go with the title and she knows the crowd is wondering why she's so hot and where her girls are because she is out here alone without and she is hot of course of course right. so she gestures towards the tron and it cuts to what we see is um gg dolan and jc jane clearly I must say the production uh, truck must be really on they're it. ready to go yep they they have clearly just uh, finished attacking zoe stark in the locker room as she's left lying on the floor and as we talked about in the news, it is a legit injury that they were covering for here. She has damaged her knee and is going to yeah. undergo surgery. Yeah, I saw that. I think it was like um, a little after. Because one of my complaints, and I'll, I'll just talk about it now because it yeah. doesn't really apply. But like, Go ahead. I thought it was like a really lazy way to write Stark out of this or just to like yeah. get Stark out of the situation. But I guess if it's an injury, they yeah. kind of just have to make it up on the fly. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. So EO then eventually comes out to confront Mandy and she says that... She do, even though she doesn't like Zoe, she likes Mandy even less. And she wants the leader of Toxic Attraction, that's Mandy Rose, right here, right now. Rose says that everyone in the back used to be scared of Io Shirai, but now Shirai is in Rose's world. So she basically says, you want this match, let's go. She calls for a referee, but when Shirai sort of turns her back for a second... Of course, Mandy Rose blindsides Io, sends her to the floor to continue the attack, sort of off the announce table, the ring post, and the apron, before rolling Io back into the ring. She starts to taunt Io and says that this is the new NXT 2.0, and Io will never look like her, because that's clearly what Io's that's going important. for. But anyways, Io then kind of fires up after this, beats on Mandy, including a German suplex, and then Jane and Dolan run in and attack Io just as she's setting up to hit a moonsault to Mandy. So Io is successful fighting those two off for a brief moment, but Mandy Rose recovers and rejoins the attack, and then it's the numbers game, obviously, is getting to Io. So who should come out and save her? But obviously, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter, they come down. I think Carter jumped off the top ropes to do something. They make It, the, it didn't really hit. They make the save. And we end with Io, Carter, and Catanzaro standing tall in the ring. Go ahead. You can talk about it first. Uh, this is a bad start to the show. Um, I didn't love the way they got Stark off the show, but it makes a little more sense now. Right. I really don't love the idea of Dylan James versus Catanzaro and Carter because Catanzaro and Carter had one match that I liked, and that was against Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, of all people, right? Yes, Total, they're very hit and miss. Two of the probably the best women's talent they have right now. Right. Um, if not the two best, I, I, I'd say it's close to EO. EO's probably the best, Yeah, actually. EO's probably the best. Um, and Dolan and Jane, I just, I really don't love them in ring. I hate toxic attraction in general. I think that's obvious now. It is obvious. Um, this is just a promo, then an interruption, then a ball to save, which I feel like I could just say that, like, so many times. Just, like, right. they, it's not new. And do and Carter and Catanzaro, because you remember better than I do generally, do they have any sort of involvement with any of this? Not as of late. Because it felt random to it me. It felt very random, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, Mandy isn't great at promos either. The stuff that's written for her isn't great. I don't think she delivers stuff too great either. She's okay. Um, I really enjoyed the dueling you deserve and no, you don't chance. You did. Just because I think that that makes sense. And I thought 
it was weird that her Tron said the beauty behind the beast or something. And Did I, it? I thought that was just confusing. Yes. And I hate the recurring thing with Mandy, which is I'm hot. I hate it because it's like, it's so stupid. It's not even a lie because that's seeming like the name of the game now for some reason. Yeah, it comes up later for me, the reduction of gender roles in this show yes, now. To a few. There's some for so men far. and women, right? That right. are a little bit. Um, and I'm very offended that Mandy says and thinks she looks the best with that title considering Shayna Baszler held it twice. Yes. And she actually did look good with it. So, yeah. And then the brawl <laughs> had so much wrong with it. Just missed moves, some random crap. It, it, this is just an awful start to the show. It was just so bad see i thought it was fine and i think rose is improving on the mic but the stuff they gave her tell. the stuff they gave her was pretty generic for sure it wasn't super long at least the multiple run-ins felt a bit frantic but that is a regular occurrence sorry on this, I, so. I have a question though uh, yes. did you know she's hot <laughs> i've heard yes <laughs> so looking back now actually this was one of the and i'm not i'm not saying this was a great segment at all i thought it was just fine but looking back this was one of the stronger segments on this show right Honestly, revisit that when we were done talking about I it. I don't know about that. I'll think about that. Um, can you imagine a world, is what I'm asking now, where, where Mandy Rose defeats Io Shirai to retain the title? Unfortunately, you I can. Because right? this show is so unbelievably stupid and garbage that they would do something like that. And it's kind of like that's what EO gets for not being released in the last round. And you know? not being new and right. already had a reign and she's not hot, I right. guess. She's not hot enough for them to focus right. on that. And she's pretty short. She is. Um, so then we get a rundown of tonight's ca card Although, by actually, commentary. Sorry, I don't... Do you think height applies as much for women? Because I don't think they're usually as tall as men, right? So No, do you think and they don't care because there's tiny women like um, Alexa Bliss that and they Kat love. Zaro Sasha and... Banks is tiny. Yeah, right? Selena so, Vega. They yeah, even kind very of tiny, him. yes. Um, so then Toxic Attraction are shown walking backstage. They walk up to Dakota Kai, I think, who's sporting a new look or something. I don't really... I don't really think so like nope. her hair was pink before okay and like her ring and turn like they said like uh i saw a post it was like there's a new side to dakota kai and emma ham just like not really she like, is she's doing much the same. something different we'll see that later she but kind of is but like here. i don't think it's not like super different right all but, she like, says here is that she didn't do what she did last week or at yeah halloween havoc where she basically cost Gonzalez the match. So she didn't do that to help Mandy. She did it to hurt Raquel. So that makes sense, I guess, and we'll revisit. We'll see more of Dakota Kai a little bit later um, in yes. the ring, unfortunately. And I don't usually say that about Dakota Kai because she's one of my favorites. But well, I don't even think it was really her we'll fault. We'll get there. Probably not. So Cameron Grimes, unfortunately, is in, what is it, Duke Hudson's poker room? I just Duke have Hudson. Room. It is Duke, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, Swinger's Palace. Yes. Yeah, Swinger's Palace. <laughs> so Grimes has a date with him, it looks like, and he says he's ready to gamble. A Hudson date? Whoa. immediately insults him in front of the lady, obviously. And humor, humor. Grimes is so stupid, he thinks he's playing blackjack, but it's actually Texas Hold'em. Because that's funny, I guess. I don't know. But Yeah, he, I don't know. Part of these for me is I don't even know how that game works. So like, It's basically like... Like, I kind of know how Blackjack works because I played GTA Blackjack. They're very okay. different games, and the fact is, the, I guess it's just the point is he's not smart enough or doesn't pay right, attention. Right, and then, and then so if he doesn't, whatever. like, this is the, does he know the game, or did he just... Yeah. Okay, so, because I, I was just, I was wondering, if like, does he, he just didn't know that that was the game, or did he does he not know the game at all? He knew that he 
thought it was a blackjack table, finds out it's Texas Hold'em, which is the poker I play regularly, but still agrees to okay, play. Okay, so that's just poker. Yeah, just poker. Okay. Uh, and then it's to be continued, which is a great sign because... Anyways, go ahead. Talk about this segment. Because... Yeah, and so I was hoping it would just be like two parts like the haunted house. But... No, no, sir. Sorry, that was that was dumb of me. Yeah. Oh, uh, this was not great. At least it was short. I assume we have to get at least one more part, and I was correct. Yeah. And I, uh, this one was probably the least offensive of the three, just because it. It was it, just it, setting it, up the rest. Yeah, it, it merely just got the ball rolling. Yeah, that's right. And the big ugly ball kept rolling through this show. Yep. So this wasn't good, man. It's not. There's this whole reducing so many characters to one thing right you're a mafia guy you're a poker player you're a poker you're player. rich guy you're, you're um, rich you're, you're like, beer brawlers right you're, you're like a hawk girl group or you're something. manly men you're mean girls like right. it's all just one overdeveloped characteristic for it, everybody it is like and you mentioned this like the min the mid 90s like where you had like dude yes. the dumpster jersey yes. he's like you're a, a garbage guy. man the, you're the a goon. dentist there's like yeah. a hockey you're guy a hockey right you're like a yep. man tars like a bull man and that era was awful right so, right that yeah like a uh, 95 i think is the peak of that and that's like widely considered one of their worst yep. uh creative is that uh, the years. lean years or whatever it's called that, i think right and that was that was the year where diesel had that title run no one liked that was like when mabel became king of the <laughs> right. ring like stuff like that so it, it it's really reminiscent of that and that's not a compliment well, cause at all. it's the same people writing it basically probably oh right, right. who is on it's pritchard and uh, I, I think so yes it's um i heard maybe laurenitis brother love and maybe vince involved who knows definitely not triple h at this point it nope. feels like so yeah i mean it's a waste of cameron grimes talent he's one of the ones that's really busting his butt and he commits to everything but when you're giving him garbage there's not much he can do with it I don't want to see any more of this, but obviously we're going to when it's to be continued. And the tone of this is honestly cringeworthy to me. Like, it's tough to watch. I have no idea how Hudson's going to salvage this character, right? Like, I don't I don't know where this could possibly go to make it interesting. And I don't know... I don't think he's that bad again, right? But this is what they gave him, so... Yeah. Anyways, it's probably like, hey, they found out he likes poker, so that is your thing. Now. Right. Uh, so we move on to... A match that is featuring Cora Jade taking on Dakota Kai. And basically, Dakota dominates Jade early on. And then Jane, Jade gets a little flurry with the Hurricane Rana and a high knee in the corner. Then, my notes say, a whole bunch of miscommunication and sloppiness. So there's some sort of counter that ended up in a... a you thought maybe it was supposed to be a sunset flip. It right, ended up, so basically yeah, what it is, is so Cora Jade is, like, going for, like, some double underhook thing, and Kai obviously, like, reverses it. Yeah. And, like, so it was a backdrop, but they clearly weren't looking for that. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a sunset flip, but... So it, it Kai clearly backdropped her, right? But yes. then it looked like... Kai, they're trying to spin off as Kai was selling something, even though like she clearly didn't take anything. But it was like a backdrop where Jade didn't release from Kai, so they the, both because of the underhook, I think. Right. But then and then they retried again, and then like it almost comes off as a pile driver. Like the next sunset flip attempt, it's like too high. Right. They just screwed it up like at least two or three times. It was pretty bad. And then Kai misses her scorpion kick. It looked really bad yeah. right after that. And then she hits her running boot in the corner for the win in under. Three minutes. Correct. Two and yeah, a half minutes. Yeah, and when when it went the corner boot, I don't like because she's got that chiropractor, which yeah. I don't think she's using in a while, but that's still a nice move. And then the the GTK is better. But I guess she doesn't need that for Cora Jade, which makes sense. So after the match, Kai is angry. Whatever she drags Jade out of the ring and along good. the floor by the hair, she puts a table on top of Jade's face and chest, 
and teases that she's going to jump off the apron onto the table. But I guess cooler heads prevail. She steps down. Sort of such gets, a commentary line. Yeah. <laughs> cooler heads prevail. Gets close to Jade, says something, and then grabs Jade's little skateboard that apparently she rides, places it on Jade's stomach, and then looks, walks away as she's like twitching kind of or shaking. I didn't or, understand that. It's... It's her just battling. She's conflicted. I bet you you're going to hear that word why? soon. why? Because she's like fighting these whatever. I don't know, man. What What could she possibly... She just returned and hit her former best friend who she lost to with a freaking shovel. What is she conflicted uh, about? I think like, she's this now more violent heel and this is her showing us. By not committing violence? But like struggling with that decision. But sort if, of glitching. What, no, no, no. So Moxley, right, He he's being more violent. Did you see him, like, twitch and think about killing well, Wheeler Yuta? He's just jumping into things. She's more of a thinker, I guess. I don't know. I'm thinking too much. I don't know. And um, Corjade's skateboard looks like one of those... Uh, those penny boards. The knockoff. Or, like, the like the non-actual skateboards. Like, the one we have. Penny boards. The, yeah. The little ones, yeah. Like the, they were all the, the rage, the, like, five years ago up here. Right. And, th- like, that's... Just such like a non-skateboard skateboard. Talk about this five-star match. Uh, this is not very good at all. Clearly, Jade isn't very good and is very inexperienced because this definitely wasn't on Kai, who is probably one of the best workers they still have. Yeah, I think she's great. Um, She missed that kick, but like, I don't know. That's fine. That's like a... Again, a maybe one-off. Jade wasn't in the right position. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, They tried to redo that one sunset flip spot like a few times too many, like just no one to quit, I guess. Yep. And then Jade lost to a mirror running corner kick. The aftermath was just blech. Yep. It it just it it didn't make sense to me and it didn't nothing really happened. It just went along too slow. Right. So is Kai this violent thing? Is she not? We I would say no because yeah. she she had a chance to do that and then she just didn't. I think that, again that's demonstrating her inner conflict. She's battling the Ooh, demons to want to take people out. I don't know. Maybe She's we'll been learn. Been a heel for like forever. I'd like to say we'll learn, but we probably won't. I would say, and I would say Kai's run on NXT 2.0 is off to a bad start because she. Um, she release was gone. Her. Release her, beginning. please. Yes, release her. Because <laughs> um, she, she's only been on NXT 2.0 the last week and then this week. How sad is that? That we're at the point in NXT where people we like, we're hoping they lose their job. And I'm always the one, like, I never want anyone to lose their now job. Now I'm kind of sad that Pete Dunn's kind of young, so I want them to kick him out. In this case, I think it's what's best for the performers is to I get agree. the heck out of there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what the heck was going on in this match. This was not an ideal return for Dakota Kai. Obviously, this is her in-ring return, and this was bad. Um, I assume as well, like you, that Jade's probably more at fault here, if not entirely, unless Dakota Kai has forgotten how to wrestle in her absence because she is very, very good. So, And again, this is a limitation of these short matches. We were talking about this. A stretch, a, a few awkward spots in a in a longer match is easier to forgive, right? But when it's... A huge percentage of the match there really wasn't much else to this you can't really look past when it. it's so short it's the that like only there's thing nothing we can else talk about right? right like i'd love to say it's a really short mass but there were a couple amazing moves because they really stand out but this was there was some anything really bad like stuff. good or bad will stand out in exactly. such a short time span so this was bad uh we then get some tweets from people wanting title shots you know how much i love when they include social media and stuff in my tv so i don't care about this at all then we are reminded of Zion Quinn slamming Robert Stone through a table at the exciting party at Halloween Havoc. Because this is a thing now. Like, they, he slammed through a table, and so now he has to... Robert Stone is do this. angry about being embarrassed, so he basically challenges Zion Quinn to a match tonight for embarrassing him at Halloween Havoc. 
Then we get kind of a, an interesting segment here with MSK. So you've got Wesley and Nash Carter sitting uh. on a bench at a bus stop. So they're waiting for someone that Nash Carter claims was the man who came up with the legend of MSK and the name. I don't like that. Like the legend of MSK. They're not like... legendary. Well, and I just like... <laughs> and baby faces saying that they're legendary is not a baby face movie. I don't even know if it's like them being legendary, but like what else was MSK from? There's no other thing that's msk right. you know what i mean like what could there possibly be that's the legend of msk like i don't know it feels like like let me tell you about this old legend like it's it like, just feels like like a made-up story or something whatever the payoff is probably isn't gonna be worth it i'm mm-hmm. thinking right so carter's about to explain what msk stands for but a bus pulls up blocks our view and drowns out the audio of whatever carter is saying because they have to do that every time well, yes it's when the bus weird. clears out lee says that they missed their bus and then they get up to leave, and Carter gives him a piggyback as the segment. How did they miss the bus when the bus was right there? I bet that wasn't their, or that was their bus, but there maybe the story that Nash not, Carter was telling was too engaging. Were they not at the bus stop? Wait, if they're both MSK, wouldn't the other one know? I don't know. Didn't seem like and it. And were they even at a bus stop? Yes. Why would Nash Carter need to explain the story to Wesley? Yeah. I think you've just found a major logic problem here. Which, I mean, that's probably not hard to do on the show. No. But, um, and, like, then why, why, what, what is the point, I want, I would love to know, of them all, always editing out the explanation of MSK's name? Like, it to doesn't... To build anticipation. Right. It doesn't matter that much. Like, no. it's like, sure, it'd be nice to know, but at this point, I really don't care. It's like and they're it's, manufacturing curiosity that isn't there. Right. Yes. And it's not that amusing either. It's like, ha, 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 we no. missed the thing. Like... And, yeah, I just kind of noticed, um, like, why the hell does he need to tell the story? Like, does only one member of MSK know the legend of MSK? Like, if they were sitting beside a random person on the bus stop, okay, right? Or even in the bus. And, and like, you, who are you like, guys? Oh, we're MSK. What does that stand for? Well, blah, blah, random guy. Right. But and yeah. this didn't even set up their next direction. Like, this no. just did nothing. No, it's just, it will get more of this. So, I, I, my notes are, I don't really know how I feel about this. They did show some personality here, and they seemed more comfortable in a like a in a recorded segment than they do cutting a live promo. So I don't know. Do you think this is teasing someone arriving? I it seems like it. Maybe, but I don't. I couldn't even really tell. And then also, I don't think that's necessary. Another new wrestler or a manager? I don't, I don't know, think a manager works with babyface tag teams as well. Like they do need kind of need one, but maybe like, it's part of a heel turn. I don't or, know. Since don't they're gonna know. get booed anyway. they could work with. See, I don't, I don't know if I like this or not. I just, I don't know. They where should it's go going. back to Impact and reform the Rascals, because what else are they gonna do? So then we get Zion Quinn taking on Robert Stone. So Quinn is in a shirt and tie, and Stone is in like a monogrammed romper. I think is the word when the t-shirt and shorts are joined together with like I an elastic waistband. It's a pretty funny outfit. Um, so Stone says that he is calling Quinn out for embarrassing him last week. And it's because Zion and everyone else are jealous of him, he thinks. And he says he's going to, like, outsing him and then Where did that come from, by the way? I don't know. Because he was dressed as Frederick Mercury and he was Elvis, I oh, guess? Oh, yeah, okay. That like, helps me. I guess. That helps me. Even then, that's the dumbest You're thing. Right. Oh, because we were both dressed as music- musicians. So it must come we down to, to who can sing. Right. Which I hated. So... Robert Stone start, starts singing and dancing, and obviously he's over the top and ridiculous, and he's supposed to be cringeworthy, and he is. 
And then he stops. He says the crowd loved it. He challenges Quinn to do better, and this is where things get really. I really thought Stones was really bad too, because I mean, I guess it, it was wasn't supposed really to be supposed to be bad, or but like it was just still still dumb because he like he sang like maybe thirty percent of the words. Yeah, and also imagine it, you're a six year old watching this; it's <laughs> freaking hilarious. And him singing uh, Frankie Monet seems definitely aged well. Yeah, no, it has not. <laughs> um, and then. So Zion Quinn surprisingly takes the mic, says that Stone's performance was interesting, but that he only came out here to kick Stone's ass, but then he quickly changes his mind and decides to actually sing and dance to Shawn Michaels' theme song. Which, which has to be like the most awkward, basic... awful... Like, it's just not a good song. And, oh, I like it, because it's classic. <laughs> yeah, but of like nostalgia boys and it's the most basic like thing like anybody could do that and plus kurt angle did it a thousand times better and i don't know sexy if, kurt is the best i don't know if he's supposed to be good at singing and dancing but he's not nope. right so this was really awkward uh stone then attacks quinn while he's still singing but quinn is still able to like fight him off as he keeps singing which was a little bit funny stone slaps him and then the match starts and surprise, surprise, Quinn throws Stone around the ring, hits a couple power moves, then the jackhammer for the win in 48 seconds. We don't even get a minute of this one. Mm-hmm. Two, three minutes is too long. What'd you think of this whole shebang here? I don't understand the point of this. This thing off was stupid and completely unnecessary, and the match was a typical squash. That wasn't interesting either, because it was like a one side of 48 seconds. Yep. Um, Quinn does look explosive and powerful, to, to start off on a positive note. His singing and dancing was awful and just a huge, huge miss. I don't know what they thought they were going to get out of that. Like, oh, he's this complicated guy who's a killer in the ring, but he can also sing and dance. Like, I don't know where they were going with it. Again, he seems to have some charisma, so I'm not blaming him. Uh, and Robert Stone, man, that guy commits to whatever character he's given, right? And I think he helped making the beating that Quinn laid on him look even better. Um the segment before the match could have been way shorter for sure. And I think the match itself served its purpose. Like for 48 seconds, he mm, threw the guy around and we move on, right? So I don't know. Um, we'll see where it goes. It's then time for a Joe Gacy promo. He talks about how the world should be a safe place, but it isn't. He then attacks social media, talks about how it has alienated Harland by be- by repeatedly calling him a monster but that stops now. They will change the world together. What did you think of Joe Gacy this week? I I don't know. These promos don't really do much for me. It's just like, I, I don't know how Harling can be an alienated when he hasn't done anything. He's saying um, the internet this. has been all over him since he's appeared I on guess, NXT. But like, Probably have, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, and, I don't know. It's just like all the buzzwords and whatnot. I don't, it just doesn't really make sense to me it's just kind of boring yeah i'm still interested in him I, i'm hoping it starts to advance a little bit this was really short i thought he he does a good job delivering like he's one of the ones that his promos are, are good i don't mind them at least we'll put it that way we'll see where the character i don't goes. dislike them they just don't really do anything for me right uh quinn zion quinn that is walks by legato and Electra lopez looks Quinn up and down because it's all about how you look here, and she says that Quinn is something that she can work with. Any thoughts on this? It's 2021, folks. Right. Like, At least they're being fair, and everybody's an object, not just women. I guess is the plus. Yeah, but like... (laughs) Silver linings. Doesn't make it good or interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Uh, So this was only seconds long, but... 
didn't you think that I thought Lopez sounded good? I mean, she didn't say much, but she was good. But she seems to like upstage Mendoza and Wild, right? She comes across as the star of that trio because she's walking out with them. She's dressed more, I guess, flashy. Well, and they are just, wrestling. They're just in the background quietly, right? So I thought it kind of made her. To be look fair, like... I don't like when Raul Mendoza speaks. Right. Uh, no, that too. <laughs> Um, Kyle O'Reilly and Vaughn Wagner are going to now take on Legado del Fantasma. That's Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. So O'Reilly and Wilde start out with some holds and counters. Then Mendoza, Mendoza is in and O'Reilly gets his arm. So he heads to the ropes quickly to get the break. Wagner comes in, dominates Mendoza with his power, ending in a fallaway slam. We get some double teaming by the baby faces as Wagner leapfrogs onto Mendoza's back as I think O'Reilly was stretching him out between the ropes. O'Reilly and Wagner... Yeah, I I remember the story the Street Profits used to do that. They did, right? Uh, Wagner and O'Reilly isolate Mendoza in their corner for a while. Wagner then dominates both Legato, of course he does, ending with a double suplex heading into a commercial break. Wagner's finally slowed down by a low bridge and by getting run into the ring apron while on the commercial. Then we get just a really long chin lock as they wait for the break to end because I actually watched through this commercial. O'Reilly makes a hot tag with quick strikes until Lopez gets up in the corner to distract O'Reilly. Mendoza attacks from behind. Legado del Fantasma do their um, corner clothesline quick tag repeating sequence that seems to me a waste of their energy because they're capable of doing so much cooler stuff than that but anyways Mm -hmm. o'reilly sells for quite a while takes some double team offense from the heels wagner comes back in with more power moves including a flatliner and an olympic slam i believe it was o'reilly takes a second to talk to wagner about some sort of tandem move i think in the corner but legato uh blow it up by drop kicking o'reilly to the floor and rolling up von wagner for the win in 11 minutes yeah. Yeah. So, um, I thought this was fine. Crazy long match for this show. Yeah, the finish wasn't great, but at least Legato didn't lose. I hate that this is the best they have for O'Reilly. It's such a waste for him. I think Wagner just is so boring. And, and he just gets to come in and dominate, right? right Which he, annoys me. He just doesn't do anything for me. And, like, they really wasted their time then building O'Reilly up. And again, Wagner's the mentor because it's almost like it's O'Reilly's fault they lost because he was giving Wagner some instructions or setting something up and then that allowed Legato to take him out and then Wagner got rolled up. So this, I don't understand the dynamic here, right, of what this relationship is. Um, I thought the match was fine and it was approaching good when it was O'Reilly with either member of Legato, but then Wagner's just not very interesting to me. He just comes in, never sells anything, hits power moves over and over, and he does not have much charisma. I don't feel like there's much that interests me about this guy. He's big and strong and not much else, right, Um, so far. So Legato picking up a win is nice because that doesn't happen often enough, I don't think. But um, And I was afraid they that they were going to take another loss here, but they didn't. So, But again, it yeah. feels like Wagner only lost because of O'Reilly, because he was the one dominating everything, and then he got distracted by his partner, and it was over. So I don't know where it's going. But anyways, the match was fine. Um, So Trick Williams, Trick Williams, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And Carmelo Hayes are interviewed backstage. They say when they shoot, they never miss, and they're done with that Scooby-Doo crap from last week. So the, when they went through the haunted house, I guess they're referring referring to. Mm. Chase, uh, Andre Chase shows up, and they're surprised that he's still alive. He says that he has Trick and Hayes' back for what they did for him last week. I guess sort of helping him out in the haunted house last week. 
The interviewer then asks Chase what he thinks about people calling him a coward. He sort of snaps here and says he's going to take it out on somebody in a match next. Thoughts? I, this is fine. <laughs> it yep. wasn't very good. It was fine, I guess. I don't really find it interesting either. Um, Hayes and Trick Williams, I found, are just trying to distance themselves from last week, right? Like, it's just kind of like, okay, that was like a little sidetrack into comedy crap, and now we're going to be normal again. So, okay, fine. Yeah. Back to Duke Hudson and Grimes. Um, Grimes accidentally wins a hand. I guess he doesn't realize. I think it was a flush that he had a flush. Busts a couple of players at the table. So Hudson's getting angry about this. And now he says they're really going to play some cards. He takes out a couple of players himself. And eventually ends up beating Grimes. And Grimes' date gets up and leaves the table. Hudson insults her. And Grimes gets mad. And I guess they're setting up a match for the future. So thoughts on segment number Probably, two? Probably because they can't not. Yeah. Or I'm sure well, that where one else of them, would it go? No, one of them will make the match, probably. Yeah. You make uh, your own matches. This is now. lame again. The whole style of how they filmed it was just kind of odd. Like when they're playing, it's just like in slow motion, or like I hated how they filmed it. And it just feels like a waste of time. Like there's it nothing. It is a waste of time, in fact. Nothing good here. And who the hell thinks this is. Who would want A this? good idea enough to give multiple segments. Like again, we always talk about this. Somebody's writing this or a team, and then somebody else is going, yeah, man. This is good. We could make this three segments this week. Like, really? The tone, it's similar to kind of the way segments a little bit, but it's even worse because it's not funny at all, right? At least there's the odd little bit in some of the way stuff that I liked. This is, if this is developmental, right? They need to recognize this gimmick is awful and pull the plug on it, right? That's something AEW is better at going you know they're like they're just like they have no developmental really other this than, doesn't like, work the crowd come. hates it we're gonna switch it right but these guys are stubborn and they're gonna tell us that this is good right like carry and cross bring them up to the main roster not even that we're carry and cross fans give them an awful gimmick that everybody hates and instead and of doing it, anything when about it, when it, it, it when it goes wrong release them yeah they just get rid of it right uh so andre chase walks to the ring to speak briefly i guess before the first mic he gets doesn't work so he kind of whips it towards the announce table gets one that does work says he doesn't usually respond to baseless rumors but he was told that after last week there are people on social media calling him a coward normally he'd be furious with anyone calling him that but he understands that this is a teachable moment because as we know he is like a professor or whatever because there's his character right. trait you yep. are a professor mm -hmm. right um tonight we learned that andre chase fears nothing and as his students' session will attest, he's the only person to fear around here. He calls anyone who wants a PhD in getting their ass kicked to come down from the back. And then we get a response, and it is Braun Breaker. His music hits, and he comes out, and we get an impromptu match here. Braun Breaker versus Andre Chase. Breaker dominates to start inside and then outside of the ring. Chase lands a flurry as as Breaker goes to get back in the ring, but Breaker quickly takes over, hits his own flurry, including a belly-to-belly, -belly, and is finishing Gorilla Press Power Slam for the win in under two minutes this time, a minute 41. My God, this! how do you talk about this? Um, so Breaker speaks briefly after the match. He says last week at Halloween Havoc, he failed in the biggest match of his life. 
Champa set traps that he fell into, and he lost due to his inexperience. He says Champa is the man in NXT. Like slipping off of the second row. But there's nothing that pisses him off more than losing. He says he will get another shot at that title, and he'll beat Champa or die trying. Thoughts on the match and the post-match promo. What can I say other than it was an average NXT 2.0 squash match? Not great, not interesting. Um, the aftermath promo was fine, but disappointing because Breaker will clearly be working his way back to Champa, which is I don't want. And that almost certainly happened. Is a rematch between these two, and Braun Breaker seems to be the embodiment of everything I hate about this show, and so he <laughs> will most likely win that title match. Um, yeah, the match was nothing really, right? Other than Braun Breaker establishing himself as a winner again against a guy who can actually sell some high-impact offense because he's been um, wrestling for a while, Andre Chase. He's not a rookie. So we know we now know right where Chase stands. He's a comedy mid-card fodder guy. And that it's not the worst thing in the world because you can work for a long time doing that, but his ceiling is very low. Yeah. Um, the promo afterward, I thought it was fine. And I they're telling a logical story with Breaker, right? At least his story is... He's a young blue chip talent that lacks experience and is a little overconfident. He got beaten by a better wrestler and he's using that as motivation to keep working, right? So at least it's a realistic story. It's simple and compared to almost everything else, I'm totally fine with this, right? This story makes sense. This could actually happen. It's not, hey, here's one aspect of you. It's you're just kind of a naive, overconfident young talent and right. I think it's totally fine. Um, so Imperium is being interviewed backstage. Bartel says we're welcome for being saved from MSK. And then he insults America because that's what foreigners do, right? They have to be the evil foreigners. Oh, goodness, WWE. So Eichner says they don't compromise. And JC, uh, Jane and Gigi Dolan, of course, come over to flirt. So Toxic Attraction have a six-woman tag match next week, and Imperium should watch them. I forget who says it. I think it was JC Jane. Bartel says the mat is sacred, but America does have its benefits oh, because yeah. beautiful women come up and talk to him. Thoughts? Um, Imperium sound pretty cool, and they're speaking the in their native languages, so they spoke well there. The interaction with Toxic Attraction, <laughs> that rhymes. Um, it was so stupid. Um, it seems... Since the beginning of the show, they've been trying their hardest to undo all the work they've done um, to make the women's the revolution women, the women equal. Yeah, in right. the past like six years, it's like they're trying to do undo all of that. Yep. Between all the interactions with men ogling them, or um, the whole trying to get a girl thing with Grimes and whatnot, like just like oh, it's easy, just go get a girl out and like flirt yep. with her and like just like women are objects. Yep. It's also offensive to them, and it's just so backwards. The interactions are stupid. I also have no idea what interest toxic attraction have in Imperium. Yeah, like they're just that's so, out of the blue, too. They're so separate. Well, because they're, they're ripped so now. They're in super great shape, so, so they're what? hot. Eichner's always been ripped. He has, but Bartel looks ridiculous now. He's so fit. Anyways, um, I thought it was fine. I like that Bartel and Eichner as well don't speak English because in the rules they're in, it feels like they're just refusing to do it, right? It's kind of like, you don't deserve it. We're going to talk in our own language, figure it out kind of thing, and I like that. The stuff with toxic attraction, like you're saying, was juvenile, right? And it's yeah. the stuff we're going to have to get used to on this show. And that's not good because you're right. This is, we're supposed to be past this stuff now, right? But we're going back to it. <sighs> Lash Legend will have Tony D'Angelo on her show and it's next. And it is actually next, which is hard to believe. Lash welcomes us to her second ever show. She talks about how... That's we... not in third. Is it? At least. I think she said second ever. That's not right. Anyways, she talks about Halloween Havoc and critiques some of the wrestlers' costumes. 
Um, she then welcomes Tony and then says no, absolutely not to him. She points out her producer Mark vanished after telling Tony he couldn't be on her show. And then Mark is there. He comes out in a sling looking all sheepish and afraid. He sits down. Tony tells him to say hi to his wife. Tony says Mark has a big house and a big tire swing and mentions Mark's two boys, forcing them, for, sorry, forcing him to say hi to his kids. Tony then intimidates Mark into saying that everything's all right, then tells him to take a hike and leave. Tony says his goals are to make money and smack guys around like Dexter, Gargano, Dunn, and Champa. So you can see where they have him positioned. They obviously love him. Yeah. Uh, he asks if they can wrap this up and Lash starts to get angry until Tony gives her some money and she closes the show. I recently heard people talk about loving this and thinking it was amazing. I assume you agree. Honestly. That's offensive. They're like, this is the best thing in a long time. And no. this is the only thing I tune in for this on the show. This is, again, so stupid. It's so all over the place. They just say a bunch of stuff, but they don't really say much and all that stuff. Right. They just move from one point to another so quick that there's nothing, like, actually there. It's just, like, a condensed... Um, TV episode. It's like they know they don't have a lot of time, so they're just going to cram all their crap, squish together, packed in way too close. They suck so hard. The background music was really dumb, especially when uh, Tony D'Angelo comes in, that, like, stereotypical yep. Italian, like, Everything. music is going to play in, and then the crowd, like, they're, the, the studio audience are Awful. so stupid. So, this is terrible. This is terrible. From the audience to quickly shifting through topics and never focusing on anything to the guest segment being cringeworthy. This, like, okay, so the part about him clearly making reference to the guy's wife and family and house and stuff is a little bit, it, that's okay. But again, this is all part of just stereotypes. If you took any person of color and used stereotypes about them as a source of humor, it would be a major problem. But somehow, because it's Italian stereotypes, it's okay, right? Like, I really don't understand. Take yeah. a black person, an Asian person, an indigenous person, and take stereotypes about them and play it for comedy, right? Th that There's no way, but somehow this is okay. Anyways, it's really, really bad. Um, and I don't know, it's almost so bad that I look forward to seeing it a little bit because it just, I don't know, there's something about getting angry about it. And I think Lash Legend has potential to do something because she's committed to this role. She has some charisma, right? But this isn't good and they need to find some other way to use her if she is talented. Okay, Zoe Stark has been taken to a hospital and we learn more about it on social media. Then we get Solo Sokoa making his de debut, right? In ring, taking on Jeet Rama, who he was just released, I believe, right? Mm, yes. was one of the releases. So we get strikes and headbutts and yelling by Sokoa early. Couple of punches by Rama, but Sokoa quickly takes over with a running hip attack in the corner and a kick to the head, top rope splash, and it's over in a minute 31. So talk about another sub two-minute match. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. So they said, like, Sokoa is uh, eating sick of eating scraps off of the table. So if Roman Reigns is head of the table, is he just bad at it? Or does, like, is Sokoa just really bad? He eats he last. Like, the head of the table eats first. You get the scraps he leaves behind. Right. But does, like, Sokoa suck? So is he, like, I don't know. Didn't he a look really amazing bad here? family member? Um, Sokoa looked fine here. Yeah, There's he another revert back to the stereotypical gimmicks of old somewhat. His entire look and a lot of his offense was reminiscent if not just like the Simone Savages of old, like the Head Shrinkers or maybe Umaga. They're just but, not saying it yet, but right. it could happen. But Umaga was cool, though. He was cool. Um, 
he looked fine and all, but we've evolved from this type of stuff long ago. So yep. I feel like like the Usos aren't doing this. Nope. Like his literal brothers. They got more modern and got really cool. That heel run we loved. Yeah, and Roman Reigns has been doing great. He's far, even in the Shield and even in his face run where he was not. He was probably the world's most hated babyface. Like that was never. He never really ever leaned into the Samoan. No, he didn't. Stuff. So I don't really understand why they feel the need to do this all of a sudden. Yeah. When like every other NOI NXT WWE, were in a time war back right. twenty five years. Right. How but, is it that like they're doing that worse than the main roster? That's just so weird. The crowd was really into Sokoa, I'll say that much. And some of his strikes look pretty good, and his kicks and things. And he's definitely intense, right? He's got good intensity. But in the end, right, it's just another two-minute squash match, so it's really hard to get much information on anything. And they have to start giving some of these young guys at least, like, five- to seven-minute matches, right? This constant nothing's over three minutes is a lot to take every week. So Tien Shah are backstage in their dark, smoky room, and Boa just simply says it's time. He walks out, and he's facing Grayson Waller next with LA Knight on commentary. Um... I remember you said it was funny. You said it was a squash, but for who? Right. Like, somebody's (laughs) getting squashed, but who is it? So, for me at this point, right, it's hard to buy into Tien Shaw's, like, shtick at all. Oh, no, I've just given up on it. Because they just, they haven't accomplished anything, right? And their highest profile person is gone. So, uh, it's maybe the death of Tien Shaw here, actually, I thought, but we'll see. So, we then get, oh, goodness gracious, a Briggs and Jensen video package. My summary, they are just two of the manliest men ever, and they like <laughs> steaks and beer and sports. And but beating they, people up. They played sports, but they weren't so great at some of them, but they were always the most violent, and that's about all I care to say about this. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, this is so stupid. They did one of those classic TV tropes again, so it's like, it's basically so the where the two people are talking separately, right? But they're saying the same thing. Right, they're competing and it each cuts other's back sentences. and forth. Yes. So like even though they're completely like they could be doing like they could be on all the opposite yes. sides of the world, but they're like right, they're completing each other's sentences. So like it flows back and forth as if it's one statement, even though like yes. it's it's going back and forth between two people, which I don't love. Like it's just if it, it feels so unauthentic. If I feel what like. they were saying was good, it might have been okay. Yeah, but, but. It, just, it just feels weird. It's felt like another coming game from the 90s where they're the redneck brawlers who are real men and like That's growing right. mean, drinking beer and beating people up. That's right. I hate that first off they had the same story of being up a guy with their football helmet and whatnot and getting kicked off or whatever. It's like there's no chance. Like it, they're just so like that's not and they're like, baby they're faces so similar. too well and they're like so similar right yep and two this sets them back further in wwe just because like there's the stuff with the women and now it's like these guys are real men like the they're yep. not soft and it's like they're like the with von wagner out carrying tree branches right and, stuff. and like they're like the guys on the internet that are like they're like the alpha males yep. you know so this is really stupid and the show is really annoying yeah, this is kind of what NXT is now, I think, man. Real men are beer-drinking, meat-eating brawlers, and women are flirty and sexy and mean to each other, right? So, I mean, it's insulting that the writers of this think the audience is going to be entertained by this. Like, what do they think of us that this is what they're sure will entertain us? So, I actually don't mind these guys in the ring. I think there's place for guys that are just smash-mouth, like... I don't mind it. ...hard-hitting guys, but... But but here's the thing. I think Briggs was already that. And he he didn't have to have this stupid brawler, like, beer brawler gimmick. Right. Um, The character these two are playing are about as subtle as a sledgehammer, right, at this point. And this segment was a huge miss for me and annoyed me greatly. It's just like, here's what men should be, right? Ah, anyways... 
Then we get Boa versus Grayson Waller. So this was the match where I was like, somebody's getting squashed, but I honestly don't know who. So we get kicks, roll-up attempts, and a backslide to start. Boa with some kicks and stomps and knees, and then a straight jacket submission briefly. Waller fights back with punches and some cravat knees. Knight takes a walk around, distracts Waller, allowing Boa to knock Waller off the middle rope and hit a roundhouse kick for the win in under... Three minutes. Correct. 227 for this one. Lengthy. Go ahead. Talk about it. Talk about yet another squash match. Um, that another is impossible to talk squash. About. The finish was bad. This was bad. Yep. Uh, so I guess this was more about the story of Knight and Waller more than the match itself. But Boa just does a lot of kicks, right? He doesn't really do anything. And I think we both kind of like Waller, but... This was under three minutes, so what can I possibly say about this? Yep. Nothing. And I thought, like, the when they kick off, they really do a bad job of when he gets kicked off the ropes of, like, the way they go about that. Like, he kick, Bo kicks the rope back, and he just falls forward on his face. Like, yep. I feel like he would just, like, kind of, like, slip off. Like, not just friggin' fall on his face. <laughs> yeah, probably You know, like, true. it just does not make sense to me. Back to Grimes and Hudson. They're playing heads-up poker now. Duke tells Grimes he has him where he wants him, and he bets, and Grimes calls. Hudson bets on every street and goes all in on the river. Grimes calls and has a full house and wins. Duke is shocked. Everyone leaves with Grimes, and Duke, in a rage, flips the table over. Very Goldberg, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just like, yay, we're back to the three-part segments. I'm so happy. Okay, so can I indulge, indulge me in a little extreme poker nerdery here? Right. So Duke Hudson, who is supposed to be a professional player or whatever, played that hand like an absolute amateur. And in fact, on the river, if there's any poker players there, he made what's called a zero play. So he bet his hand all in. And the only hands that are going to call him are ones that are going to beat him. And every other hand is going to fold. He did what every amateur does. And that's overvalue pocket aces, which are the best starting hand you can have in poker. But like professionals realize when the board the cards that came out look the way they do those aces are no longer that strong and duke hudson if he's duke hudson yeah if he's a professional player so he played it ironically like the most amateur way possible but anyways that's levels of poker nerdery you don't need to get into um and again this was just not good not entertaining there's nothing going on here hudson needs a gimmick change asap this these just made my brain hurt it was just so stupid Champa's coming out to the ring next, and then we get another similar vignette to last week with Kaylee Ray smashing stuff against the wall that's got her initial spray painted on it, and she says the landscape in NXT is always changing, but what about her? She is here to make everyone pay, and next week she starts to rage. Did you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I guess it's something to look forward to next week, even if I feel like, if I even feel like watching. Yeah. Um, I'm just hoping they unleash an angry Kaylee Ray on the women's division and let her run wild. I don't really know who she could even work with that it would be good. I have no idea because to you, did this feel like a heel gimmick? It did to me, but then I'm know. thinking, who could she possibly work with? If she, Who are baby faces? Gonzalez? Kenzar Carter, Io Shirai. Um... I guess Io. Kind of, though. Because she hates everyone. Um, it's not very babyface. Antihero. I guess. Um, so I don't know. Unless this is going to be a face. They Ember Moon. And like, unless this is a face gimmick for Kaylee Ray. But whatever it is, I hope she gets a huge push because she's awesome. And we've seen nothing out of her so far. And she's fantastic. 
So anyways, I would love to see her in Yoshirai somehow, if we could make that happen. I mean, get Dakota Kai and just let those three work, and we can ignore the rest pretty much. Anyways, Boa goes backstage, but Mei Ying is not there, but her throne or whatever is. So he kneels in front of the throne, turns around, and now his magically his face is painted and he is blowing smoke or vapor or whatever it is so is this the write-off of Mei Ying I don't know and I don't really care either but <laughs> no, that is part of the problem. I didn't really understand so all I had all I had to say was cool he has face paint now face paint is cool yep so I don't know if Mei Ying's gone but was on his own and again the ship has sailed on this it started out cool and we were intrigued by it and now it's just there right and it's nothing exciting mm-hmm so Champa comes to the ring and he's going to speak. He says Halloween Havoc was a changing of the guard in NXT. There was a shift with Imperium, Mandy Rose, and Toxic Attraction all winning titles. And Breaker was supposed to win, but no one told Tommaso Champa. Breaker earned his respect Wait, last... Wait, was that unscripted then? Is that what he no. is saying yes, to me? Yes, it's all real. Breaker earned his respect last week, but at the end of the day, one thing was certain. Tommaso Ciampa was the god of NXT. With the title comes great responsibility, and that is a target on his back. Then, out come Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Hayes says he hates to be that guy, but let's face it, he is the guy. He needs to put Ciampa in check, because Wait, it's he, not... He hates to be the guy? It's not about him anymore. There's a new school on the rise, and he's the leader of it. With disrespect, he says, as long as Hayes is on the show with his title, Champa will take a back seat. And then Trick yells something in the background. Because he is the A champion, and that's and that's all that's going to be. Champa says Mello almost had him until he took his sunglasses off. And then Champa could see in his eyes that he didn't mean a word of it. He challenges Hayes to get froggy and jump. Trick says the last he heard... They were in the main event tonight, and not Champa. Champa knocks Trick down and then faces off with Mello before just sort of leaving. What did you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I thought this was fine. I like Mello's sentiment of saying he's the A champion, but it he really needs to back right? yeah. it up. Um, because I'm I'm all for the mid card champion wanting to be like the top champion, yep. like Alexander or when Nakamura was elevating the. Yep. IWGP IC title. Keith um, Lee. but he needs to <laughs> he needs to actually go about that or it's or else it's just an empty statement yes i really don't like trick williams he adds nothing to Hayes act and detracts from it at times i agree um overall this was meh and i didn't really need this yeah it's just a placeholder challenger for champa probably right i do like champa saying the things about like everyone saying everything's changing and i was supposed to lose too but nobody i didn't get that memo right like not everything's changing i'm still the guy that i kind of like that um bit that he was saying there and super cocky Carmelo Hayes that makes sense that he thinks he's the superior champion right it's it's heel logic it's not it's somewhat delusional but he's allowed to think that and I don't know maybe Champa's gonna face off with Williams to drag things out a bit before he gets to Hayes and that's not a match I want to see but Champa Hayes could be good at least right if they give it any time which they won't so never mind (laughs) Gargano's music hits and this man I wish I were kidding here's the highlight of this show for me Champa and Gargano pass each other on the ramp and just and stare share at look. each other. That's yeah, the that's best thing on the show. Thing on the show. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. And I'm I, I wish I were kidding and it's sad that I'm not, but that was for me the coolest thing on this show was these two guys 
for like three and a half seconds passing each other on the ramp, right? Just because you're like, oh, remember when NXT was amazing? And either these guys were tag team partners or having a bitter feud. Anyways, right. It's I mean, sad. the 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 extension of the feud last year was, mm, yeah. Yeah, not as great. With the cinematic. But the but original stuff was The original amazing. feud was the stuff of legend. So we, the main event is Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis taking on Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Yikes. So if we just pluck Loomis and Trick Williams right. out of the situation, right. I am happy. But since we did not, I am not. Yes. So right away, the heels want to avoid Loomis because he's creepy. But Loomis eventually gets his hands on Trick Williams. Like, that's, yeah, he's such an A champion. He's freaking crawling away from a guy with a mustache. Right. So is he like the cocky, confident heel or is he the chicken? I mean, I guess everyone's afraid of him. But why? Because yes. he kills people. He carries he weapons. He doesn't. He has a weapon on him on his own wedding, for God's sake. Like, that's the only time we've seen him with a weapon on him. How many times do you need to see him with a weapon? He brought one to his wedding, man. I guess. He's a violent, violent... <laughs> Anyways, Gargano and Loomis isolate Trick in their corner, tagging and out, hitting basic offense to start. Trick lands a gut punch, tags out, slingshot spear by Gargano after a quick exchange, basically to a stalemate with Carmelo Hayes. We get stereo hip toss by... Oh, and drop kicks by Loomis and Gargano. No picture in picture for us. So the heels are just magically in control after the break. We get a hot tag that's stopped as Hayes pulls Loomis off the apron. Heels control Gargano. Hayes hits an assisted springboard leg drop for two. We get a hot tag to Loomis. He cleans house, hits a bulldog back suplex kip up into a leg drop by Hayes for the classic uh, Loomis flurry here. Slingshot suplex by Loomis for a two count. We get double black glove shots. So Johnny puts on a black glove to mimic Dexter Loomis and they do like stereo punches i guess and then double super kick so they kind of do each other's moves i guess is the point loomis and gargano that is top rope elbow drop by loomis for a two count then hayes and gargano tag in and slowly advance towards each other for a strike exchange bunch of nice kicks by carmelo hayes but a big rebound clothesline by, by gargano takes him down loomis comes in with a side slam hooks on the silence but Trick hits him in the head with a shoe from ringside, sort of. I think he was on the floor and reached through to do it, if I remember correctly. Gargano takes out Trick Williams with a dive, but that allows Carmelo Hayes to hit his top rope leg drop to Loomis, to the back of Loomis's head in the ring for the win, and the heels get the victory here. What did you think of this main event? Uh, I thought it was an okay match. I don't think it was great because I don't think Trick or Loomis are that great. The exchange between Gargano and Hayes towards the end was pretty good, it though. It was. Um, I didn't love the finish, but nothing can end clean in NXT anymore, so... Nope. What's the point of complaining? Uh, I thought the match was fine. Uh, similar things to you, uh, without even comparing notes. Trick Williams is not good, and Loomis's style isn't for everyone. I don't mind him as much as you do, but like, like you, the sequence near the end between Gargano and Hayes I thought was really Which good. Which does so... whet the appetite for that match, I right. guess, right? exactly. And I thought, I mean, Trick wasn't good, but some of the times when he just like the, the kick and like the spinning kick or whatever, it was very reminiscent of Damian Priest, yes. except I like Damian Priest. It's the incredibly long legs of the two right. of them, right? And, uh, and to just be even fair, the way they kicked, Williams wasn't in much. They didn't ask him to do very much, which is smart. Um, the rest of this, other than that sequence with Gargano and Hayes, was pretty unspectacular. I don't think it was bad, but it's not a strong main event either, right? I right. don't think. Uh, okay, so overall thoughts and a letter. I wonder what your letter um, grade's going to be. I did not like this show. I mean, this one made me want to quit more than last week would. <laughs> Like last this week was, was bad. Last week was the one where I was like everything was hanging on that, right? Yeah. And then this one, it really did make me want to quit. And I, I actually like, I really don't 
know if I want to watch next week. Okay. This one was really bad. It was. I didn't like the toxic attraction crap. All of these interactions with the women and the men and, like, the Briggs and Jensen stuff, it's just sending them back in time. It is, like, a time warp. It back is. to time where, like, everyone's an object and everyone has to have, like, an... Uh, like you a, are one thing. Right, a character, like, some sort of, like, occupational character, like, yep. something like... Nothing subtle. One character trait, and, like... It's just so stupid, and it sucks. This is an F, because there was nothing <laughs> that I enjoyed other than that small, small interaction between yep. two of the only tolerable wrestlers left on we this We really match. liked five seconds of this And show. I am sad, because Pete Dunne has not been on lately. <laughs> nope. And I will Although take good anything for him. Pete Dunne. <laughs> good yeah. for him, maybe. Um, this was a D... Well, I won't get to it yet. Hold on. Cade... Sorry. Dakota Kai Jade... Breaker Chase, Quinn Stone, Sokoa Rama. Four matches, all under three minutes. And Jade and Kai was particularly bad. Legato, O'Reilly, and Wagner was fine. And the main event was fine. But really forgettable show in ring, to say the least. The poker segments were awful. Lash Legend segment was awful. The Briggs-Jensen vignette was awful. The Toxic Attraction Charade Catanzaro Carter segment was fine. So going back, was that the best segment on this show? Yes, right? I don't know. I think it was. Oh, sorry, the Imperium promo, probably. Minus the flirtatious interruption by Toxic Attraction. But anyways, D-minus episode. Could have failed it, to be honest, not going to lie. Um, it was a disappointment because I thought Halloween Havoc was watchable. That's the nicest thing I can say. So this does not feel like a show that should be on network TV anymore. And this doesn't feel like a show that uh, deserves like an, another more reviews. I don't think like, that... Like... The, the, we need to talk about it. The TV station or the network that has this can be happy about this. And at this point, I think they just need to go back to being on the network and maybe go back to an hour would be nice too. But anyways, really, really bad show. Um, there is nothing anyone needs to go out and see on this, I would say. Right. All right, so let's move into something that should be a little more fun. And that is this week's trivia segment called Off the Top of His Head. All right, so you ready? Because you talked about the terrible segment of the 90s, which is funny, because this is 90s wrestling trivia. You ready? 30 mm -hmm. questions. It's from quiz.com, and the title says, if you're under 30, you will fail this quiz. So you ready to take that challenge? Right. You are under 30. Can you confirm? Um, no, I'm actually uh, 47. <laughs> nice. Okay, so here we go. All right. And there are options. I won't give you them right away, but some I'll have to. You'll see when we get there, okay? So question one, who soaked Vince and the corporation with beer? Starting off easy. Steve Austin. Correct. Who did Hulk Hogan beat for his third WWF championship? Okay, um, let me think. You want options? Um, yes. Ric Flair, Sergeant Slaughter, Randy Savage, Undertaker. Third, Let me think. third championship. Let me think. Who was the first one? Iron Sheik. Right, and was then the first, and then I don't remember. And then I want to say Slaughter. It is, I believe, the Undertaker is oh, correct. Oh damn! Yes. Who teams with the Rock in the Rock and Sock connection? Oh, uh, mankind. <laughs> well, I was like, really? You're thinking well, about this? The way I heard it was, who teamed with the Rock and Sock connection in the oh, Rock I for see. some reason? Uh, who famously appeared on Raw and Nitro on the same night? Rick Rude. Correct. Very good. 
I remember also because I saw it in a video and like he even um shaved his beard because that was when he was in DX. So he had a beard and then he shaved it to a mustache to show that Raw was tape. I forgot and chose Luger because he was the next night, I think, right? It wasn't the same night. Anyways, at which WrestleMania, WrestleMania? What's that? WrestleMania. WrestleMania did Jim Ross make his debut? That's hard. WrestleMania 9. What? You know that? You're correct. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Oh, the toga. That's what it was. Which of the following four wrestlers did not jump to WCW? This is not hard. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan. Shawn Rin. Michaels. Yes, correct. You don't Obviously. need the other ones. So then I remember um, when they revived the NWO and WWE, he was the only member to not be in WCW. Right. Who managed the ringmaster in WWE? Ted DiBiase. Correct. Very good. Who never, out of this list of four, who never became Intercontinental Champion? Okay. okay. One, two, three, kid. One, two, three, kid. Yes, very good. The other options were... Marty Jannetty, who I forgot had won it. Yeah, he held it for like one or two weeks. Uh, Dean Douglas and the Mountie. Right? I knew the Mountie had it. That I remember. Right, because that was like one of the ones where he wins on a house show and then he lost it at the Rumble, I think. Right. What was Raven to first known Johnny. as in the WWF? Johnny, so, Johnny Polo. Correct. So his first gimmick, right? right? Who won the WWFE championship the most times during their career? Like. Between Austin and The Rock. Who won more? That's a good one, because it's the two men of the 90s, right? So who won more championships? I want to say The Rock. Okay, you want to say The Rock? You are correct. Mm. Very good. I knew Austin had six, but I couldn't quite remember um, how many The Rock had. At which pay-per-view did Macho Man marry Miss Elizabeth? SummerSlam. Of what year? Okay, hold on. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, 1991. Wow, that's impressive. You're right. Okay, because so the way I did it was because I knew we had that retirement match against Ultimate Warrior WrestleMania 7. Right. And so then he, <laughs> uh, Sherry turned on him after that, right? And that sets up this wedding. So I knew, I just had to remember what year WrestleMania 7 was. I just enjoy that as someone who is alive and watched all of it, I have no clue. And you who were nowhere near being born knows all of it. It's right. Great. And then and the, this is the match made in heaven. And then the match made in hell was Hogan and Ultimate Warrior versus. Uh, Three Iraqi sympathizers. <laughs> right. I love that term, <laughs> sympathizers. Who won the reinstate, reinstated women's championship? When? Uh, that could apply when to multiple times. Do, 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 do. What are my options? Back, sorry, the belt was eventually brought back and reinstated by the company in 1998, following a three-year absence in which uh, female wrestling was completely I wanna, ignored. I want to say Jacqueline. You want to say Jacqueline? You are correct. Nice. Very good. Even though the picture was Trish Stratus. Uh, who had the most intercontinental championship reigns in the 90s? In the 90s? I have options if you'd like them. Sure. Gold Dust, Triple H, The Rock, Val Venus. Mm. That's a tough one. Any thoughts? I know Gold Dust has three. I know Triple H has five, but I think two of them are... Uh, Not in the 90s? I don't know. Well, pick one. I'll go... Gold Dust, I guess. Gold Dust is incorrect. It's Triple H. Damn it. Yes. Which superstar wasn't in the corporation? Big Boss Man, Kane, British Bulldog, Ken Shamrock. Kane? Kane is incorrect. It was the British Bulldog. What's Kane in the corporation? That's freaking weird. Corporate Kane. Uh, which no, of, but that was the authority. Which of these teams were never tag team champions? Okay. okay. Colossal Connection. So in the 90s, obviously. Natural Disasters, Nasty Boys, Rockers. Rockers. 
Correct. Because was they had the unofficial one. Right. I knew Close Connection was uh, had the tag titles because I think that's the only one Haku ever held, and that was Andre's only title other than his one day title run. Right. And I know Nasty Boys did, and then yes, Natural Disasters. I remember because they had they held the weird version of the tag titles where the globe was a different color, or whatever. Because I remember Money oh, Inc. Also that had is those. a detail I would never remember. They're, they defeated Money Inc. Who won the 1997 King of the Ring? Um, Triple H. He would have won in 1996, but Kurt and Call. Who was the first WWF light heavyweight champion? Takamichi Noku. Correct. He was amazing. What was the name of the British Bulldogs Bulldog? Matilda. Correct. Good movie. Who was the W? It is. Who was the WWF president up until 1995? Jack Tunney. Yes. Very good. You're flying through these. We're on number 20. Which wrestler started the Nation of Domination? Farouk. Correct. Cool faction. Against whom? Did Jeff Hardy debut? <laughs> Whom? Razor Ramon? Yeah, I knew that. Why did I? I knew that one. Somehow. I just remember. I remember that like that was like one of his uh, <laughs> job or matches, right? So I yeah. didn't. That was just my best guess because I, I know I that at least had to be around his debut, yeah. right? So who was Sable's bodyguard? Oh, Nicole Bass. Oh my goodness! Yes, it was. Took me a second. Which wrestler was known as the world's most dangerous man? Mike Tyson. No. 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 Oh, R- which Ken wrestler? Shamrock. Which wrestler? Correct. Who joined the I Legion he of Doom in the 90s? Draws? Sonny? Oh, yes, with the name of what, though? Puke. Yes, very good. He's gonna, he's gonna puke. It's a famous Vince McMahon thing. <laughs> in which Canadian province did Bret Hart capture his first WWF championship? I have a list of four if you would like. Mm, which sure. Canadian province? Alberta, Quebec... British Columbia, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. That is your guess. You are correct. That, uh, I didn't know. Oddly enough, I was going to pick that anyways. Who won, who has, sorry, won the most Royal Rumbles in the 90s? I think that mm, one's easy, no? Austin? That was my guess. That is correct. Well, Michaels also won two in the 90s, though, too. Oh, fair. Which of these? Austin's third one, sorry, was in uh, 2001, so that wouldn't qualify i guess or maybe there's i don't know maybe which 90s star won the most and they are counting them all they didn't really specify mm. right which of these did steve lombardi not portray abe who's Knuckle- steve lombardi well we'll see abe knuckleball schwartz doink the clown brooklyn brawler or mr hole in one mr hole in one that is correct he oh, was so just he's a brooklyn brawler yeah brooklyn brawler so he was. Like I knew a, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz was one because yeah. I remember seeing that in that encyclopedia. Right. I don't know why. Three more questions. Who joined Bradshaw in the new Blackjacks? Oh, Blackjack Wyndham. Correct. Barry Wyndham. Because his dad was Blackjack Mulligan, I think. Yeah. Papa Shango was also who? Papa Shango, Godfather, Supreme Fighting Machine. <laughs> Many things. Yes. Kama. Good. The Last good question. Father? That, maybe this one will stump you because I'm not rigging it this week, but eh. it's not the easiest one. What year was the European Championship launched? I think 97. Ah, dang it. You're correct. So I would say you absolutely passed. So this this quiz was a lie because you are not over 30. You did not fail. <laughs> I think I didn't keep track, but you definitely passed. Probably earned an A even. But anyways... Let's shift gears back to talking about some wrestling and a show that was probably better than NXT 2.0 this week, and that is AEW Dynamite. Yeah. 
And um, we are going to start um, with the opener, which is going to be Kenny Omega versus Allen Five Angels. A rematch. A rematch of epic proportions. <laughs> that I was mad about the first time, right? Which I mean, I I, I didn't really care, but no, I know. Because um, well, I I don't know. Explain it if you want. Just um, because Allen Angels got a ton against think that the was, best bout machine. That was Angels' debut because it, they it said on his nameplate too, and he was from Atlanta, Georgia. And that was when they were um, taping in there. Right. I remember it was like a really small venue. Yes. And I mean, that seems to be AEW's thing, right? Unless they're bringing you in specifically to job, then they're going to let you at least get a little bit of something in. But anyways. And I guess it, it did kind of work out because he stuck around at, yep. for a while. Yep. Um, a description, I guess. Um, a match dominated by the bigger star, but I think Angels got a solid showing. He did, for um, sure. Notables, Angels starts right away with a shotgun dropkick. Uh to send him in the corner and then he relentlessly attacks Omega in the corner. Omega chokes Angels over the top row for the five count and beats down on Angels with uh, methodical strikes like just uh, over a, a period of time. Uh, Angels catches Omega with a leg lariat for one count, a guitar crusher by Omega, punt to the midsection, then Omega claws the head of Angels and drives him to the mat like he does like where he like runs and then just like kind of claws his head and then oh, just yeah. slams him to yeah, the it mat. Was. Which it's it's a really like I don't know if I've seen him do move. that. I d- I know I definitely yeah. we definitely have. Okay. And um I but I think it's like just kind of part of his annoying heel shtick where it he's is. just like he's just running and just kind of like shoving you to the ground. Like it, it's pretty ineffective, but I think it's kind of amusing. Um, inside hook patella drop brain buster by Omega looked cool, which is pretty nice. Angels avoids a V trigger, rolls up Omega for two, uh, and then a low pay suicide dive by Angels. A uh, swing around kick from the apron and then a moonsault from the turnbuckles to the outside by Angels and then b- follows with a diving crossbody back in the ring for two. Omega gets uh, the knees up on attempted frog splash, which looked pretty cool um, but from Angels. And then a buckle bomb and a sit-out spine buster for two by Omega. Um, palm strikes for the back of Angels by Omega uh, when you can't get a tiger driver. Angels is able to counter the one-winged Angel into a sunset for two and then he eats a V-trigger, which he is able to kick out of. And Omega nails him with two more V-triggers against the ropes Vicious to secure V-triggers. the win. Yes. Yeah. And then post-match, Omega says he he t- he cuts a promo, which I kind of missed some of, but then he says at the end he can give it the tanketh away as the god of wrestling. He asks Knack for a chair, and he goes to deliver one-winged angel to Angel's hat on the chair, but Hangman's music hits and he walks to the ring. Angel's takes the chair away from Omega, and then um, Paige goes for the buckshot and narrowly misses on Omega. He picks up the title and says to Kenny, he thinks Kenny forgot something. And he says he'll give it back, um, but Kenny better hold on tight because he has 10 days, which is 10 days until full gear. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. fun. I thought this was a very good match. Omega looked really crisp and aggressive in this. Angels impresses me pretty much any time he's allowed to sort of work a little bit. But my issue is kind of the same as the match they had before. So you've got the arguably, I'll say, weakest link in a mid-card faction should not be taking the company's champion. I guess it could be one of those things where he's just, like, overestimating him. Yeah, I guess so. But he didn't, he wasn't wrestling like that. He came out super aggressive and stuff, right? Omega, there was no, like, toying around with him. Well, I guess because I could see see it as, like, because, um, because, um, Angels, like, went on him right away, I guess. He did. We kind of had to go more aggressive. Yeah, and I mean... Not only that, Omega was the champion of numerous companies at once, and he got taken to the limit, including a couple near falls the crowd kind of bought into. So I'm kind of torn. I really like the match itself, if you remove it from any context. But kind of in context, I don't know how much sense it makes. 
or it does much for Omega. Um, but a good match. The post-match stuff was fine. I liked the Page and Omega. Um, sorry, my thing's flipping around here. They interacted briefly, but didn't touch yet, right? Because they need to sort of save that, I think. And Page did a good job of coming across as confident and is no longer really doubting himself, right? He's moved past that. So all in all, I thought this was a good start to the show. Despite my issues with Five's competitiveness, the match was still good for sure. Yeah, um, I thought it was a solid opener. It went how you'd expect and the result was assured. I thought it was pretty good for what it was. I thought Angel's got in some good offense and eventually Omega did put him away. I think they struck a better balance between Omega running the show and then uh, Angel's getting an offense. Um, the aftermath was short, but I liked it as a small way to continue building the full gear. It's not really doing much to build to it, but it still is, and I feel like it's okay for them to do that. Cause yeah, just a little bit. I think for this feud, the heavy lifting has already been done throughout the years. Yes. Not even just earlier this yep. year with all the stuff with, like, the Dark Order, but even dating back to, like, the beginning of 2020, maybe even end of 2019 when Omega and Paige started that tag team. Right. Like, you can date it back to there if yes. you want to. So, a lot of the heavy lifting for this feud has been done throughout 2020 and yep. early earlier this year so they don't really need to do much work here if they don't want no to. it's just a reminder that the mind games aren't going to work anymore on on page right he's right, confident this is and ready actually to go. confident yep so yeah so that's good and um yeah i like this uh next uh we have a quick promo from malachi black so um he starts off by asking why men of power always think their decisions always serve more than their own interests which is referring to Tony Khan's decision to bar him from ringside. He says that will not affect the outcome of the Cody Andrade match. He says this is because it's like when Julius Caesar was assassinated, it wasn't just Marcus that betrayed him. So I guess this is hinting at More someone people. else. Right. Um, I love the line to start about men in what's with men in power, thinking their actions serve more than themselves. I thought the tone of this was really cool. It felt like an ominous kind of warning that somebody else could be showing up to support Black. So obviously I'm hoping it's the recently freed Brody King from Ring of Honor because they have a history, the House of Black together. Brody King is awesome and just like a bigger, more menacing version of Aleister Black kind of. So I'd love to see him. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought another like brief but really cool Malachi Black promo here. Um, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was pretty cool too. I like his promos a lot. Um, he seems to be hinting at someone else with the release of all ROH talent, him being Black's PWG tag title partner, um, seems to hint at Brody King. Yes. Um, perhaps we have ourselves a little faction here. Black and King are already starting the House of Black. I mean, I don't know if that's what their team is called. I think yeah. it's called something else. I don't know. But if King shows up, I don't see why you can't throw an Andrade there or at least keep him in association. And you've kind of got your House of Black there. Uh, the only way I want Andrade affiliated if he's doing the like hiring people. I don't think he fits, but like if he's doing no, it because I'm just, a. I just think I don't I'm, care. I just want him to align <laughs> you with do. Malachi Black. It's I think so... it needs to be I'm paying for their services, sort of thing. But anyways. Mm -hmm. Um. Next, we have uh Sam Punk speaking words to us. He does speak words to us. What um, were the words? <laughs> he says he's not in the best mood. He says there are two people who aren't here today. He says one has a legitimate reason, which is Mox, and he wants his name chanted. He says he and Mox have a lot of history. Ooh, WWE reference. Ooh. I understood that reference. Got it. Uh, he says he heard about Mox's situation, and he knows what it's like to be where Mox is. I guess that's why he became straight edge. I guess I just, I, I assume he's always been straight edge, but. Since I can remember anyways. Yeah, but I guess you kind of got to maybe get somewhere to want to be straight edge. Maybe. Um, and he is proud of Mox. He says if anyone is in that kind of situation that should ask for help, it's difficult but courageous. He says he did 
didn't because he was being a tough guy, which brings him to Eddie Kingston, who also isn't here. He says Kingston's in here, so he can't ask him in person. He says Eddie interrupted him last week, and he does not like being interrupted. He says if Eddie has the balls, he will accept Eddie's apology on Friday. Um, and he says on Friday he will find out who Eddie thinks he is. Right. I thought this was a very cool and classy of Punk to acknowledge and for AEW to allow it to be acknowledged, right? Moxley's situation and to stress the importance of asking for help when necessary. That's really cool. WWE would never do anything like this. In fact, with Jeff Hardy, right? Like they bring it into his gimmick and like mock him for his drinking problem, right? With Sheamus, was it? I want to say not in the too distant future or past. Oh, sorry. right, last year where um he threw someone threw he threw piss at Sheamus right. or whatever. Um, so I'm gonna <laughs> nitpick a little bit because I I think this is just my interpretation of punk, right? The punk hole going like I needed help lots of times in my career, but never asked for it. Still, kinds of sends the message right that he's the tough guy who battled through things. Um, I've never asked for help and pers- I, I never asked for help and persevered through stuff, but you guys should ask for help, right? Although I am biased because I always am suspicious of Punk's motives and things, just because I think he is incredibly intelligent and savvy, and I think he knows what to say in every situation. So I sometimes doubt his motives and sincerity but anyways he then shifted gears easily to address eddie kingston's situation and i think he did a good job with that and i really like how simple the like motivation for this kingston punk he just interrupted him in a promo and that pisses punk off and that i believe that would it's a more realistic uh motivation for something like small like that i feel like WWE is bad at that sometimes. Yes, and for just a quick match, like, this isn't going to be extended program, I think. It's, like, the perfect little setup. And Kingston doesn't really need to win. So I like this promo. I preferred it to some of Punk's more pandering, I would call them somewhat directionless promos since arriving in AEW. This had specific... Yeah, some of them have definitely been directionless. I feel like it was, like... This one had specific targets. Moxley, move on to Kingston. Right, I think Kingston's his first meaningful feud since Darby Allin, because he's faced, like, Hobbs and Garcia, but those were, like, one- or two-week programs. Right. I feel like when he has a target, when there is a purpose, I enjoy it. Me too. Right? Um, There has been a lot of times where he's just come to speak with the fans. I love you, crowd. I've missed this, and there's nothing really coming out of it, right? So, So, yeah, there was definitely more to this one. I thought it was solid. I definitely wouldn't mind a Punk vs. Kingston match. It's not the most interesting or appealing match, but I can I also see good. it being good. Yeah, me too. Right? Like, I'm not super into it, but I, it'll be good once I think it's all said and done. I agree. Um, there's just a lot of other matches those guys I think I would rather see, but um, if we're getting it, I'm I'm down. Me too. Um, I just hope it'll be good, because that seems to be where we're heading. Yep. Um, next, we have a promo from Miro Miro. at <laughs> Um, he says he curses God, warned him, and threatened him, and he waited, and he has now been put in the limited tournament, and he asked if he was being helped or played with by his God. He says his God needs to prove himself like he has to prove himself to her, referring to Lana, right. who apparently she has her name, so she could probably still use that. Oh, interesting. Um, not that I really care, because she sucks, but she, whatever. She was, she's cool as a manager. Yeah, though. she's like B-Fab. The sucks two at of them wrestling, together were good. good. Ballet. Yep. Um... He says he will be champion and he will be loved and then God will be forgiven. Yeah, another solid Miro promo. No humor I didn't find this time. Um, But I don't, like, how do you book him to lose in this tournament? Because clearly he wasn't planned to win it because he wasn't even in it. I could see him winning and then he just has to lose to Hangman. But that means they're changing plans because obviously he wasn't going to win the tournament because he wasn't in it. And now they're just going to... I think if he loses, it has to be shenanigans or interference or something. I think I don't think Brian needs to win here. 
I don't think he needs to, but clearly Miro wasn't the plan. So are you saying they're just now he's in it, so we changed the plan? I don't know. Unless they planned on putting him in some other way, but I don't think so. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess he technically is not supposed to be here. So how do you not have him win the way they're presenting him right now? Tough, I think. I don't know, because I think he should. Maybe they can change tax. I don't think it would be too difficult, but... But then you go and tell the person that you told was going to win this tournament, by the way. I don't think way. Brian will care. It's Brian Danielson. Not. Yeah, you're right. I think he's he's a good dude. I thought it was a solid promo. His yeah. are all good right now. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a good promo from Miro. I really like how he spun his sudden placement into the tournament to fit with this current yes. story he's been telling. Right, because like, that would have been... It's really easy to, but, like, I think it, I think it works really well. And they well. didn't get much notice on that, right? Right. So... It, yeah, like, the Mox news broke, like, what, earlier this week, I think? Yeah, so they Maybe, had like, to come up like, a day or two before Dynamite? Yep. Um, so yeah, that was good. Uh, next we have an interview with the Super Click, which is Cole and the Bucks, which I feel like now Omega's kind of, he's a little more removed from the Elite yeah. now, because I feel like he's going to lose, so now they're in, I think that'll probably be them exiling him for a bit, maybe. Yeah. Like, just in, from AEW, not just from the Elite, but I mean, like, just like, because he deserves some downtime, for, for sure. sure. Um, and so I feel like Cole is kind of taking that place which i'm fine with i, I but i like I want that they that don't feel the need to dissolve the faction and have them break up right it's just like somebody's stepping right, away Omega and, just needs right a break. and cole is the great just like yep to take over that spot if he needs to yep um cole says last week was a fluke which was the eight man tag very right. enjoyable take notes very NXT. Fun. take notes right he says they all remind everyone how dangerous they can be and next is they are tough guys and they're afraid of no one and christian shows up i would not be afraid of christian either He's back, um, done with impact. Yep. So he's just back. Not like he got taken out of a big that match, and he was like out of it, and I was happy. Uh, Matt tells him not to try anything because they outnumber him. And then Luchasaurus shows up, and then a brawl ensues, which spills out to, into the arena. Jungle Boy comes out of nowhere and dives off of the stage onto the super quick, and Matt takes a spear from Cage on the stage. <laughs> um, Cage goes for a kill switch, but takes a super kick from Nick. Jungle Boy hits Mouth Hurricane Rod and sends him rolling down the ramp. Luchasaurus chokes him Nick onto Cole. Jungle Boy chokes out Cole in the snare trap. He kind of passes out. And then he takes a concerto from Cage, which made me sad. Uh, yeah, the segment was entertaining overall, but I personally don't love Adam Cole being lumped in as sort of the chicken comedic heel like the Bucks. Yeah. It works perfectly for them, the Bucks, that is. I just don't see it with Cole. He's just so naturally cool and confident, right? The whole, like, being afraid of everything doesn't doesn't work for me with him. But the brawl was fine. The leap uh, out of nowhere by Jungle Boy was pretty cool. And I thought the concerto looked good. It, it always does. I know how they do it and whatever. It's totally fake. Right. But it looks good. Um, so I really hope that they go back to Cole and Jungle Boy. I would really love to see an extended program with those two, to be honest. Yeah, um, I I thought this was fine. I thought the short bit where the Lee got to speak was good. The brawl was fine. The concerto Cole was mean and offensive. <laughs> yeah. Especially because it's Christian Cage. Uh, next we have a little thing for Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander. Um, so Ruby Soho says when they announced the PBS Teletermin, it was monumental. Statlander says she's never wrestled Soho, but she knows her. Soho says she's a fan of Statlander, and Soho says she's nervous, but she's confident, which I don't know how that works, but right. okay. Yeah. Um, really short. I like that they're trying to do something to add to this match a little bit, and that's what these tournaments do, right? They create just opportunities to cut a promo on each other, and away you go. I thought they both did a fine job here. Yeah. Um, next, we... Oh, uh, wait. I did not. Um, this was fine. 
Um, it was pretty short. I, it was. I think I missed a little bit, but uh, it was fine, but nothing substantial. Uh, next, we get the open challenge match. FTR will be taking on Aerostar and Samurai Del Sol, who uh, you may recognize as being the former Kalisto. And I recognize uh, Aerostar. Yeah, I don't. I do not. From Ruth Underground, I don't think we've gotten that. Yeah, far I think yet. I think you mentioned yeah. that, but I, I did not recognize him. This will be for the AAA tag team titles. Um, this was a fast-paced and somewhat competitive tag match with an, only a few missteps. Sloppy. I thought. Be yeah. One um, guy in particular, I thought. Yep. Uh, Cash misses numerous corner shots and Samurai, uh, who hits a backflip into like he like kind of backflip cartwheels into a head scissors takedown and a drop kick. Um, Dax and Aerostar tag, and Dax beats on Aerostar in the corner. A shaky twist and crossbody to FTR by Aerostar, but this wasn't actually a horrible watch compared to some of the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, a pop-up double dropkick by Del Sol and Aerostar. Uh, dies by Samurai and Aerostar. Um, FTR catch a hurricane round by Aerostar, which looks really weird when they're, like, because, like, I feel like that's something one person would do, but it's, like, because his legs are so spread out because yeah. he's trying to take down. I feel like a double hurricane rod just does not make sense. It doesn't. Uh, even a hurricane rod sometimes, but, like, that's more forgivable. And they hit him with a double powerbomb. A somersault dive by Aerostar to the outside. Uh, springboard crossbody by Samurai for two. Interesting tag offense by Aerostar and, and Samurai Del Sol. A hurricane rod for two by Samurai, and then Aerostar hits one as well, which he also pins him, but it's, it's one of those weird double pin things that I don't yeah. like. A fast exchange between Samurai, Del Sol, and Cash, ending in a Salida Del Sol by Samurai, followed by Springboard Splash by Aerostar for two. A Brainbuster on the outside um, by Dax on Samurai Del Sol. Um, Aerostar gets a victory roll, but Cash counters it and uses the ropes for leverage to get the pin and retain the titles for FTR. Uh, yeah, I was not a big fan of this match, to be honest, and I love FTR, but FTR did not get much offense here. Which at times would be fine, but with Aerostar looking like I put kind of lost in this match at times, right? There was one tag spot that was completely botched. He looked really just out of sync here. Um, they didn't come across as legit challengers to me. And FTR don't look very good for not being able to get control of these two almost at all. They looked FTR looked like they were just selling for some confused random luchadors, uh, which I didn't love. I'm fine with FTR needing to cheat to win but I really would have liked to see them in control for at least a bit more of this, even if they needed to cheat to do it. So I thought this was disappointing, and I don't know what happened to Aerostar, but I really liked him in Lucha Underground, and I did not think he looked good here at all. Yeah, he definitely had some stuff. I, didn't, I don't think I co covered a lot of them. But... No, but there were like three or four spots where he looked confused right. or not, stuff wasn't clean or whatever. Right. Um, I thought it was a solid sprint match. Um, the only complaint was the sloppiness from Aerostar. Other than that, I thought um, Samurai Del Sol looked pretty I good. I did too. I, 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 it was good to see him. I uh, thought he was fine. I thought he was pretty underutilized. Yep. I mean, I remember um, when I started watching and he was a U.S. champion. Yep. <laughs> that was so long ago. Yep. Um, he looked pretty good in ZWW and FTR were the usual cells, which is a good thing. Um, a solid match, but I was expecting better, honestly. So it does, yes. it didn't really help. Aerostar was just—he was definitely off here. He was. Um, next we see in her Karoshi interview, which it's we're told is from last week's show, so it would have been after her victory over Serena Deeb. Um, she is awarded uh, with that plaque that she would have gotten had she been Deeb on the anniversary show, but she's interrupted by Nyla Rose and stupid Vicky Guerrero. Uh, Rose talks about what a journey it's been. She says there's been road bumps, and now Sheeta has hit a roadblock because they're facing off in tournaments oh, in the second round. 
friend Vicky signed off and they said something that I didn't quite catch. But... Yeah, I don't know what it was either. Uh, I thought Nyla was good here, although she did at one point say, like, it took you a long time to get to 50 wins. But hasn't Nyla been there longer than Sheeta? Because she's uh, been there since day one. That's true. And she doesn't have 50 wins. But anyways, I guess she's a heel. So I thought Nyla was good, and I liked that she spoke and Vicky was largely silent because uh, I don't think Nyla did a bad job. And that's, again, one of the benefits of these tournaments, right? Their way to provide simple, quick, realistic builds to a match, like a one-off match, right? So not every story has to be or can be built like Hangman and Omega. You have to have some things that are just quick hitters. So I thought this was fine. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I think um, the, this match will be more interesting than some of the other tournament matches because these uh, two do have quite a bit of history. Um, and I, it was fine just to set up the match. I mean, it, they don't really need to do much because it's, it's no. in a tournament. So, like, even if they don't have history, it's a tournament. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> Next, we, we get go. to the Inner Circle. We'll reveal what members of American Top Team they are facing at, in, at full gear in a match that definitely needs to happen so with high you, stakes. And they're just going to put it up in a graphic and we're going to move on, right? Right. Or a million hour segment. Mm-hmm. One or the other. Um, so the inner circle, uh, they just don't serve much of a purpose anymore for me since their face turned. They just don't work as, no. like, the whole faction was eight, Chris Jericho was, like, Le Champion. He was surrounding him with, like, some future talent, like Guevara and, like, um, Prime Powerful and then Jake Hager for some reason. And, and like, they were just was, cheating whole, nonstop and right, beating people right, up. Right, and, and the whole person was, he was the champion, or at least, even after he was champion, he was, like, a top guy, and he was surrounding himself with his inner circle, because yes. he's, like, a top, and, like, it just, it really doesn't work anymore. The name is just a name. And he doesn't have a title, but Sammy does now. Right. So is he even really the main, pe- anyways, whatever. Get on right. with this lovely segment. Um, love. Jericho says last week, Sammy retained against Ethan Page, which means they can choose the American top team members the men of the year old team with. Which, that means so much to me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. American Top Team come out to the Men of the Year theme, which is very nice. Uh, Lambert says he wants to leave as quick as possible, so he wants it over with. Well, me too, but that's we not We don't happen. always get what we want. Yes. Uh, Jericho says what a collection of dumb, ugly idiots American Top Team is. Uh, Lambert says he has a collection of guys to choose from and a signed open contract, so he says let's get started. And of course, he has to go in detail over every option that we have. You know um, why? Because nobody <laughs> knows who they are. And nobody cares. Um, he says it's time for them to pick their poison. They choose first Junior Dos Santos, who I like, he's the guy who's already faced I've heard them before. Of, I've heard of almost all of these people. I he have is heard, one I've heard of, of almost none of them. He is one I've heard of. Pretty sure, actually, none I've heard of, of him, Paige, and one of the other. I didn't know her husband, and I don't know the Hercules guy. I'm pretty sure I knew none but of them. But anyways, the rest I know. Mm-hmm. Um, Hager says, um, he looks like Popeye. <laughs> Funny. Timely. Um, their second choice is something, something Arlovsky. I, he's I the other, he's another one I've heard of. Um, and then Lambert says, Jericho said some nasty things to Paige Van Zandt last week. So that is her cue to speak. And get sexualized immediately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Paige says they better write her name down because her schedule is wide open, which that could be it. Dirty joke, I guess. Um, uh, she says something about an Instagram filter and says they have no balls and she sucks at speaking. I want her to shut up immediately. <laughs> um, Jericho turns Paige's comment about taking all five of them on into a sex joke, which was very funny. I laughed 
all day. Yeah, all day, all night. All just night. so it was so funny. Cutting edge. And very surprising. Humor. Like Jericho's usually pretty clean, so I'm surprised he went there, you know? He's just going to his channeling his NXT two point <laughs> He's auditioning for a job there. <laughs> He's auditioning for a Look, return. anytime I interact with a woman, I'm gonna reduce it to her appearance and sexuality. You're <laughs> in <laughs> No, he he's auditioning for to be a producer with uh yes, Richard. He could be. Uh Jericho says they know they need to choose one more. He lists the people they can choose. And of all those great MMA people who I'm sure are great at doing MMA things, he chooses old, fat Dan Lambert. Yeah, for the easy win and to make Lambert mad. And, and then to also make me suffer while watching this match. Lambert comedically overreacts. Right, Lambert it. shouts and procrastinates and Jericho says to see them in full gear while Lambert's just freaking out like an idiot. Yep. Go on. Um. Okay, so positives. I like that Jericho started out by calling Lambert the mascot of America's top team, which forced Lambert to reply and say that he's member number one, right? So him calling himself a member comes back to bite him in the butt at the end of this, right? Because you're a member, so we're picking you. So that I liked. But other than that, that's about all I liked. Lambert running down the credentials of every member of his team is a waste of time. If you need to educate the fans this much about these people, then you're wasting why my time are they already. He- why are they here, right? Um, this angle and segment are about as big a miss for me as AEW has done, maybe in its history. I just don't like it. It gets significant time every week. I'm not entertained it's at all. It's also kind of like bagging on pro wrestling it, right, right. like your, what you guys. do is fake what we do is real so why don't they just get the hell out why are they here so i want this to be over and i want non-wrestlers to leave and free time for aew contracted wrestlers right this is a bloated right. roster they need more people on tv I don't think these guys are adding eyeballs. I could be very wrong. I don't even think they're that good either. Like, I, I, I don't think the, I've watched it. But... I only watch the odd MMA thing. If it's a big fight and my friends are getting it, I'll watch it. But, like, I don't, I don't get this. It's I don't think this is drawing anything, but I could be wrong. Right, I don't like it. MMA, it MMA people probably won't like pro wrestling because exactly. it's the opposite of pro wrestling. They generally MMA. look their noses, look down their noses at wrestling, right? Right. So, so, uh, like, it's not even like that's drawing them. Oh, my MMA guys so, are fighting fake people. Ooh. Even if it draws eyes, I don't think you're going to retain those viewers. Right. Is, is, they're here for, they're going to be here right. for pro- this, even gone. if they are. And then they're gone. Right. Yep. Um, yet another promo segment between Inner Circle and American Top Team that felt too long. The promos have little variety more. There's always going to be Jericho hyping the crowd, like, hello, whatever, insert town name here. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll insult Dan Lambert with probably the same insult. Uh, Lambert will talk about his people and how great at th- doing MMA things they are. Jericho will make <laughs> a dirty MMA joke thing. that he thinks is funny, mostly directed at Paige Van Zant. And no matter what, one faction will most definitely get interrupted by the other faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, these feel like a waste of time, and almost half of the feud is taken up by people who aren't on the roster in a promotion that is a huge roster, like gigantic. And I did not enjoy this. The fact that Lambert will be in the match makes me want to see it even less. Another pointless faction feud. Like, what is the point? I thought the Pinnacle feud didn't have much point to it, but at least that had, like, freaking MJF promos, that dinner segment that we yeah. liked. Like, oh, and yeah, they're, dinner, they're, they're, No, like, the, the one where, like, oh, Spe- Spears, Spears. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that one. Yep. And, um... And, like, they're all wrestlers on the... And most of them are good, too, right? Yep. So, like... And this one is just... All of the like, the boring parts of the 
Inner Circle Pinnacle feud. Yes. Like turned up, and then you're adding in people I don't care about. A rare AEW like whiff. Yeah, I think the only other real misses for me were Sting, Sting wrestling, and Paul White also wrestling. Right. Um, next we get a Leo Rush and other people interview, which also had Dante Martin, Matt Seidel, and Lee Moriarty for some reason. Yeah. Um, Seidel congratulates Martin for his win on Rampage and he believes in Dante. He says, it's fine if Dante trains with Leo now because Lee Moriarty will be training with Seidel and he'll go to the top and wants to take on Martin and Rush. Rush accepts the challenge and he says Martin is more talented than Moriarty. Um, I thought it was fine. It was, there's a decent talent pool here, or talent pool here. I just haven't seen Moriarty, so I can't say anything about him. But I guess it's just like the two veterans saying, "I got, I got a cool boy, and your yours is a chump." Right. I didn't think Seidel sounded good, which is why one of the things that's held him back in his career, I think. But I thought Leo Rush did. He's awesome on the mic, and this is the next logical step in the story they're telling here. So I thought it was fine. I don't think it was anything exciting, but I just want Leo Rush in the ring, man. He's awesome in the ring. Like I told you, I just watched Leo Rush versus um, Bone Soldier, right? In um, New Japan. Um, he was in Impact for a bit when we, um, he, we, saw we him, went, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, that was a really, I thought that was a really I fun like, match. I uh, like Ishimori's finisher. It's uh, like he lifts him, it's like he lifts him up like a Champa's fairy tail ending, but then brings him down, them down on his knee. Well, this one was, he didn't lift him up. It was from a pile driver, like a tombstone pile driver. Yeah, position. I know, tombstone pile driver into like a long It floor. looked awesome. Yeah, I, I think I've seen that move before. Yep. Right, I know it was in uh, 2K20 at least. Yep. Next we get, yay, uh, Jamie Hayter versus Anna J in the TBS Championship Tournament first round. Mm-hmm. Woo-hoo. Um, who's Jamie Hayter, or who's the winner face? What's the bracket look like? I don't know. I don't remember. It's It's got to be so a baby face. Rose Hader facing one. Sheeta. Um, I'll talk about that later. I just yeah. forgot other stuff. Oh, uh, no, never mind. Oh, yeah, look it up for me, please. Um, so I thought it was a solid but short TV match. Short is right, because I have like six notables, probably. Um, holds encounters early on. A back elbow by Jay for a quick one count. Jay reverses an Irish whip and sends Hater hard into the barricade. Hater hits a boot as Jay is trying to get into the ring. A weird spinning leg layer thingy in the corner by Jay, followed by a DDT for two. Rebel distracts the refs so Baker can assist. And a short arm lariat, which is apparently her finisher, by Hater for the win. Um, post-match, Baker and Co. beat on Anna J. Moore. Ty Conti runs out and decks all three of them numerous times until she tries to focus her attack on Baker and is overwhelmed by Rayburn. Uh, Hater, and then Thunder Rosa makes a save. Yeah, I thought it was just a decent match. Short, two mid-card talents. Anna J. looked better here. I don't think she's very good. I hate to say it. Um, but this looked better. The last match she had, I forget who it was. She did, I didn't think she looked good at all, so this was a little bit better. Um... I don't know, the post-match stuff was standard, and it's kind of barely noticeable at this point because it happens so often across all of the wrestling, not just AEW, but everything I watch, there's lots of this, so I'm kind of numb to it, but this was fine. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fine. There wasn't much to it. I thought it was pretty short, but it was fine. Compared to, say, Ford versus Zoho, though, it wasn't that bad. Right. Um, Was it great? No, but it wasn't bad. So it was just kind of here, and that aftermath was whatever. Uh, next, we get a quick thing from Cargill and Mark Sterling. Uh, Sterling says everyone knows Cargill has a bye in the tournament because of her undefeated streak. And they both say it doesn't matter who wins on Rampage because uh, th- she will win anyways. And she says she will win the tournament and rename the belt that Biot show, which is funny because it's TBS. Get it? Yep. Uh, so I found the bracket. Jamie Hayter will be facing Thunder Rosa, who had a bye in the first round. 
Okay, and then Cargill what, will what, take what on the winner is... of Bunny and Red Velvet, right? And Nyla Rose, Hikaru Shida, and Statlander Soho. That's what. It, That's okay. where we're at. Right. Uh, so you. I like the dynamic between Cargill and Sterling, and I feel like they divide the lines up. They're speaking perfectly because Jade looks like a star, so she should just stand there and let someone talk for a bit, and then she throws in her sort of catchphrases at the end, which I think is good. I just hope she keeps getting better in the ring. And I kind of feel like this tournament might be set up for her to win this championship. Um, she I would could be a see great. It being her. She's one of the top like candidates, I think, and the she, most likely one. She'll be a great heel champion and look great with the belt. And I don't think she's ready for the main title yet. She's not good enough in the ring. But for a secondary title where they can, I think sorta... that's the benefit of having yeah, the second title. I agree. Secondary title, right? So I feel like this might be set up for her, but I could be wrong. And I, I like this. Little I think promo. she's whether it is set up for her or not. She's definitely at least one of the leading. Yep. Like one of, I would say her, Thunder Rosa or Ruby Soho yep. are my top ones. Probably. I would agree. Um, I thought this was a fine short promo. They don't, they don't really do much for me anymore because they're so quick and there's not a ton to talk about and they don't vary much. Which they're I just, very similar. Which time. I just realized that whole statement applies to NXT 2.0 matches. It does. Which is just that's fun. <laughs> Next we get MJF coming down to speak words to us. Um, MJF says, when all the new faces came to AEW, everyone was sweating, but not them, referring to him and Darby, who is sitting up in the rafters. Because they're the pillars. Yep. Who are the other two? It's it's Jungle Boy and Guevara. I knew it was Guevara. Yeah, and then these two. Even though I said Jungle Boy first, I think it just came to me now, I guess. Um, Because they are pillars, and the company doesn't work without them. That is kind of how pillars work. Yes. They're holding up the company. Yes. He says, out of all the pillars, they are top guys. He says, other two are great, but he and Darby have it, even though Sammy is the one with the title, but yep. okay. Um, he says, they've had it before Dynamite, and that is legendary. He asked why they boo him and cheer Darby. He says, it used to make him angry and keep him up at night, he, but he says he's figured out, and he says it makes sense because he is a symbol of what everyone wishes they could be, but they can't be, and Darby is cheered because he's one of them who is a misfit. And he says, Darby fights with reckless abandon because he knows he doesn't fit into society. He says, uh, once Darby steps in the ring, his cool, broody personality goes away and he becomes a glorified stuntman. He says, Darby will lose because he's weak. He will lose because he will get carried away with battering MJF and not beating him. I thought that was kind of interesting wordplay. Yep. Um, he says he'll beat Darby because he's better than him and he knows it. And he says, even if Darby changes his ways in the 10 days before full gear, he will still win because he's a better wrestler than Darby. And there's a reason he has never been beaten clean. He says, Darby is going to find out how much better than him he is. And Darby says he is an outcast and M- everything MJF called him. He says he'll keep his composure and they will have a wrestling match because they he will let his anger out right now. So he comes down. Um, MJF asks if they want to see him in the fight and says too bad and he starts to leave. But Sting and a bunch of guys with Darby paper masks come out to stop MJF from leaving. And then they start brawling with Sean Spears and Wardlow to keep them occupied. And Darby and MJF brawl in the crowd. MJF gouges Darby's eye and sends him in the barrier. Darby rams MJF's head against the barricade multiple times. Darby gets a big running start and clotheslines MJF over the barricade, which is kind of anticlimactic for me. Yeah. Um, with that big running start. And he looks for the coffin Agreed. drop, but MJF kind of flees into the crowd and leaves. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of this. So MJF starting out being complimentary of Allen was an interesting change of pace, right? But then he sort of shifts gears, starts insulting Allen and the, Allen and the fans at the same time. And what he says does make sense. I thought he was great here. Something's still kind of missing in this feud for me. I'm not sure what it is. I just don't find myself looking forward to watching this as much as I hoped I would. And I like both of these guys. 
So here's what I think is cool about this is Darby is agreeing to forsake his style. Like MJF, I think kind of has won the mind games here. Right. He he's, he did break him mentally. He's talked Darby Allen into wrestling a style of match that is not how he wrestles and wins all of his matches, right? So I hope Darby does follow through and seriously wrestles MJF. MJF can win as I think he should. And then he can brag about talking Darby into wrestling that style of match that didn't favor him, right? He got MJF to wrestle a match that favors MJF. So I think hopefully that's where it's going. He's kind of is winning the mind games, even though Darby thinks he's not. And then, I don't know, the brawl with people coming down after, whatever, how original happens all the time. But I liked MJF's promo. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the MJF promo was solid. I can't ever really say one of his promos was bad because he's just really good. Um, Darby spoke fine as well, and in general, the segment didn't interest me a ton, but it was fine. The brawl was fine. Didn't really need Sting as many guys, but whatever. That was just kind of there. Yep. Uh, next we get, uh, the match between Andrade El Idolo and Cody Rhodes. Um, this was a competitive match between two top talents. Mm-hmm. All I can really say. Um, notables were Andrade slaps Cody, uh, pretty much off the bat. After a stare down, kind of like a silent hiccup thing or whatever. It's okay. It's weird. Um, a drop down uppercut fall by corner body blows and then crowd count punches by Cody because got to do that. He will um, not turn. Right. <laughs> Cody uh, goes for a Cody cutter after an exchange and then Andrea shoves him off the top rope. Uh, flurry by Cody capped off by a power slam. A boot fake back elbow by Andrade for two. Very nice. Take yeah, notes, he, Christopher Jericho. He, he's got to stop doing that because it looks way better than the Judas effect. Like, way better. So, right. he's going to get talked to by Jericho, I betcha. Right. Um, Cody cuts off the corner double knees from Andrade with a lariat. Andrade avoids the crossroads and hits the three amigos, but Cody tries to block the last one. Um, but uh, it, Andrade just backs it up so he can hit the suplex into the corner. Uh, jabs by Cody in the bionic elbow. Homage to Dusty Rhodes. Andrade locks in a figure four. And Cody won for a suicide dive. FTR sneakily hit him with the AAA tag title mm-hmm. uh, out of nowhere. And then Andrade nails a hammerlock DDT for the win. And afterwards, Lucha Bros basically just saved Cody from an attack. Yeah, so I guess Andrade still got FTR on the payroll or something here. Um, I really like this match for as long as it lasted. I wish Andrade could have won clean, but the finish didn't really bother me too much. I thought they worked really well together. Everything was crisp and quick. It's so great to see Andrade just in fresh matchups where he's allowed to actually wrestle and not sports entertain, right? Um, And another post-match brawl with run-ins followed. How original. Although the moment where Arn and Tully sort of face-to-face in the ring was kind of cool just as an old person who likes wrestling from back in the day. I just, I just, I wanted to stay that. You know what I mean? You wanted to what? I wanted to stay that. I don't want oh, anything to come of that. Right. Yeah, I agree. I don't need to see them fight. That's for sure. But no, just that moment was cool. Um. Yeah, I thought it was a, a pretty good match. Of course, it had to be a screwy finish because Cody. But at least Andrade got the win, so I'm not going to cl- complain too much. I thought, though, as a match, it was pretty good. Um. Maybe could have been better, but it was still good. Yep. I think there was maybe oh, there's definitely some more, more potential. But, for sure. Um. It was still good. Yep. Um. John Silver, in-ring interview. Uh, Silver says he'll face Budge on Friday, which is the nickname for Cole, I guess. He says he's been giving Cole suggestions, but he hasn't taken any. Uh, I guess BTE. Uh, he says on Friday, Cole is getting Johnny Hungy. He's going to kick some Budge ass. And I thought this was solid for Silver, but I didn't love it because it feels... It's like one of those things like that you complain about. It's too reliant on us watching BTE every week. 
Right. Like, I've watched it a few times, but I don't, like, I'm wondering if that's movie. where Budge came from, that, just looking I, it up. I'm almost positive. I'm just trying to find it here. It says that he, uh, got it. He said, it's your times like, I killed it. That line is so funny. Everyone's going to be talking about it and tweeting, then nothing. Then there are times like, hey, I could have done butter on that one, to be honest. People really like Budge. People also like Mufflanigan, too. But Budge is definitely the number one choice, so that does not answer. The headline was misleading. But anyways, um... I think he's really energetic and entertaining, right? So he's quite funny. And the budge thing feels like, again, I missed something on the internet, like you but said. He, but he just kind of made it amusing, even though I don't, I'm right. not really in the loop. No, his energy and charisma are really entertaining. So I thought this was funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, next, we have a red velvet bunny thingy, kind of like Statler and Soho, but Like just, a little hype video, I except, called it. I, except I care less about this one. For sure. Uh, bunny talks about how Velvet follows the rules, even though she hasn't won anything either, even though Bunny, like, She's bunny a baby to... face, but I'm the heel. Right. Uh, Velvet says she'll be Bunny's ass. Um, I missed a bunch, but it was fine, I guess. It's I, just I defining just their roles. I just don't roles, care. Right? It's defining their roles, who's the face, he's... They were both believable, but neither have a chance of winning, and it was... There's nothing wrong with this. Right. But they're not winning, so it mm -hmm. doesn't really matter. Um, and then we come to our main event, which is Orange Cassie versus Miro yeah. in the EW World Title Eliminator Tournament semifinals, as Miro will be replacing Jonathan Moxley. And on paper, right, I love this because you have the small, lazy guy who doesn't care about anything, and then the monstrous, super intense Who's trying to, like, heel, get back to the top. Who's trying to, yeah, basically challenging God. So I like mm -hmm. the, the idea of this, right. for sure. Um, so I thought it was a solid David versus Goliath style match with the right result. Um, so Miro catches a suicide dive early on and hits a belly to belly suplex on the outside, which is pretty nice. Miro's just pounding on a hollowed Cassie in the corner of Stomps as the commercial break ends. Mm -hmm. Um, we do see a bit of it in commercial break and then it's and kind Cassidy's of over. And Cassidy's midsection's taped, right, right? from the leg drop, which didn't really hit his midsection. Still from through the table right. like which weeks that, ago. That didn't even really hit his midsection, but whatever. And then I guess Hobbs targeted it more. He did. But um, Cassie starts to fight back. He fires back with strikes and a shotgun dropkick into the corner. Tilt the world DDT for two by Cassie. He's like, oh my god, DDT, DDT. Yeah. Which I mean, like, okay. Because we, of his neck, though, right? Because Miro has the neck of sand. But why? Because that's, like, his only weakness. Why? Where did this come from, though? Like, I know Del they've Sol. been talking about it. Like, yeah, but why is his neck his weakness? Because like, that's what Del Sol hit to almost pin him. Like, the biggest loser in company history. Yeah, but why did he almost pin him is what I'm saying. Because like, his neck is weak. How? Because that's when we learned that it's weak. From what? The DDTs from Fuego del Sol. We're just talking in circles here. No, because it had to be weak already if he's almost losing no, to Fuego del Sol. No, but that exposed the weakness. I like, but I don't know. The weakness felt kind of random. I know they've been talking I, I about it, I but like I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I get it. Um, Cassie dives to put Miro through the temperature table. It kind of looked like an elbow drop, but like it was kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Um, Miro was. was able to barely avoid the count out. Uh, Miro catches the orange punch and gets hit with the beach break for two. That was surprising, um, yeah. actually. Uh, Miro backdrops Cassie to avoid the orange punch, falls to the Moshka kick, and locks in game over for the win. The Moshka kick does look good when he yeah. hits it. Uh, Miro looked vicious in his relentless attack at Cassidy's injured midsection, I thought. I liked the way this match was put together because um, Cassidy really has no chance unless he takes some risks, especially with that injury, which he did. Um, so he has to sort of hit and move, and then Miro's just trying to get a hold of him and dominate him which he did at times so i thought this was a good match it didn't feel like a top flight aew main event to me at all but danielson miro yes please that could be awesome they will beat the 
hell out of each other, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a solid match, right result for sure. One like you would expect it to. I didn't feel quite on par for a main event. No, but, um, it was still fine. And WWE or Rusev versus Daniel Bryan match would be kind of interesting, but Miro versus Bryan Danielson, I'm definitely down for that. Yep, absolutely. Um, what did you think of the show as a well, whole? Well, I pretty much loved last week's Dynamite, right? But sadly, I didn't think this show, I thought it was a significant... It definitely did not match up. It was a step down from that, both in-ring and outside of it, I thought. For AEW, I thought this was a pretty weak episode wrestling-wise. Like, the opener was good, but at the end of the day, for me, it was a dominant champion facing a borderline enhancement talent. FTR title defense was underwhelming. I had issues with um, Aerostar in that. Hater Anna Jay was nothing special. Cody Andrade and the main event were good, but they weren't outstanding, right? Like, there's definitely another level each of those matches could get to. Segment-wise, America's top team, Inner Circle, was a big miss, but Punk, Miro, Black, MJF were good, as always. None of the segments were really bad, but I don't think there was anything amazing either. Um, Mm -hmm. So below average Dynamite, as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to give it a Canadian B-, minus, which is like a 7 out of 10 this week. I enjoyed it still, but nothing, not nearly as much as some weeks and not nearly as much as last week, which I thought top to bottom was pretty outstanding. So a, right. a decent show for AEW, but not great. But still uh, leagues ahead of NXT. So Yep. Not a high bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, overall, I thought it was a fine show, but um, definitely stepped down from last week. thought the opener was solid, but the result was never in doubt. And it wasn't like, it was good, but... It was like, I don't know, it was the champ versus Jobber. Uh, Black's promo was good. I thought Punk's was fine. Uh, Mira's promo was good. Super Quick thing was also fine. Uh, so Statlander thing was fine as well. Uh, FTR versus Kalisto and Aerostar was fine for the most part, but Aerostar messing up a little too much um, kind of, like, did not, it just kind of screwed it up a bit, and it under-delivered for me. The Cheetah Rose interaction was fine. I didn't love getting a, another inner circle seg with the American top team that went too long. Agreed. Uh, yet another boring faction feud for Inner Circle, except Pinnacle was better. The Leo Rush thing was fine. Uh, Anna J versus Jamie Hater was, was fine. It was just kind of there. <laughs> fine. We're back to our yeah. catchphrase. Fine. It was there, but it was just kind of uninteresting. Uh, Cargill's promo was fine. The MJF Derby segment was solid, but a little boring towards the end with the brawl. Cody versus Andrade was pretty good, but could have been better. Uh, John Silver's short interview was pretty good. Um, I didn't really care for the Velvet Bunny package, and the main event was solid, uh, but should have been a swap place with the Andrade Cody match, I think, because um, I feel like that's more of a main event. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, a fine show, but not as good as last week, so I'd rate it a low-ish B. Nice. Um, obviously, still beats NXT, but that kind of goes without saying. Yep. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our AEW Dynamite review, and we'll move into talking about some other stuff from the world of wrestling in our next segment, which is any other wrestling business. So I think this week for any other wrestling business, uh, the only thing we've got is to take a look at Impact Wrestling, right? Uh, We are going to... So I quickly checked out rampage this morning and i was kind of hoping jack you're going to come back and watch it at some point right yeah. and we might sit down tomorrow and talk about that because i really enjoyed it so i think you will as well and then we can just sort of quickly talk about that maybe tomorrow so if you're a regular listener 
checking out whatever we do keep your eyes peeled for that i'll probably put that out at some point tomorrow we'll sit down probably won't be a very lengthy episode but i would just like to talk about because i think it was my favorite hour of wrestling this week so we'll get you to get some time to watch it and we'll come back down and talk about it not so to the... spoil impact but yeah that was your favorite yes not to spoil impact <laughs> so let's talk about this week's impact wrestling the show starts as it always does with the recap of like previous stuff including moose's promo after sort of winning the championship from Josh Alexander in that sort of cash-in, and then the attack by Alexander after that promo, and then that prompted an appearance from Minoru Suzuki that looks like it's setting up something with Alexander and Suzuki. And then Scott Demore later in that episode last week had to stop Josh Alexander from attacking a referee backstage. The one that... uh, That started the match while his family was in the ring, right? Yes. Which I can understand from Alexander's perspective, right? Um, And then we... That sets up a six-man tag match, which is the main event tonight. And then we saw that Moose was going around recruiting and he got Morrissey and Minoru Suzuki to join his team for that match. So it'll be Alexander, Cardona, and Eddie Edwards taking on Moose, Morrissey, Edward and Edwards. Suzuki. Edward Edwards. Edward the Eagle Edwards. <laughs> um, so we start out with what I thought was going to be an awesome opener because on paper it should be. That is an X Division Championship number one contenders match. With Macklin, who I love, Rohit, who I love, Laredo Kid, who's really impressive, and Black Tarus, who I love. So I was pretty hyped up for this one. And we do get a good start as Macklin and Tarus just kind of stand there and let the two smaller guys fight each other for a minute. And then Tarus and Macklin just take those two out with clotheslines and then they head to the floor so the big men can sort of face off. We got a cool-looking triangle Hurricane Rana to the floor by Laredo Kid to Tarus. Um, And the finish, I'm not... I'm really paring down my impact notes these days. So the finish came when Laredo Kid kind of hit a Laredo driver out of nowhere to Rohit for the win in just what is that exactly? Just over five minutes, like a Michinoku driver, basically. Oh. Um, in just over five minutes, which I thought was pretty ridiculous. Uh, after the match, Trey Miguel Especially comes for a four-way. right. Um, Trey Miguel comes down and sort of shakes Laredo Kid's hand before Macklin comes back in, takes them both out with clotheslines. So then Laredo Kid and Miguel work together, end up hitting a double drop kick to Macklin, sending him to the floor, and he just sort of stands on the ramp, glaring at the other two left in the ring. So I guess this was a good five-minute match, but it was far too short. Uh, I was just, like, in my notes, sort of noticing how cool it was to have four people with really different styles in the ring together, and then suddenly the match just ended. Felt like it was just kind of getting into gear, and then it just, we get this... um, Laredo driver which is not what he's been winning with even so I, it didn't it's he's been winning with that ridiculous like belly to belly Spanish fly off the top which is an insane move so mm. that's what kind of what I was waiting for but anyways everybody looked good in this five minutes as good as you're going to in this short of a match with four people and Laredo kid was definitely the one that was showcased the most uh, you had Torus doing his usual like aerial stuff that just doesn't seem right for a man of his size Rohit was kind of playing the role of the sneaky opportunist with quick strikes and things, showing off his speed. Macklin was the power and aggression guy, as he always is, but he also showed off some more speed here. I I believe he hit um, a suicide dive, which I don't think I've seen him do before. He continues to really impress me. So a decent little sprint, but honestly, this needed to be double the length, at least in my opinion. And now that I've seen what the rest of this show was, I don't see why they couldn't have given this an extra three to five minutes. So I was disappointed in this. Not that it was bad. It's just it was just getting going and then it was over. 
So then Gia's backstage talking to Madison Rain and Caleb. Uh, Gia asked Madison if this match with Mickey James tonight because she has a title shot on this show. She asked if it's a completely different challenge despite the history between the two. Madison says it doesn't matter. They've had cage matches, lost no last knockout standing matches, and one thing never changes. When she challenges for the knockouts championship, she walks away champion. I don't think so tonight, but anyways. Wait, has she actually beaten Mickey every time? See, I don't know if she was referring to she's faced Mickey in those matches or she's been in those matches for tight championship matches. You know what I, I mean? I think it's referring... I would assume it's referring to Mickey because, like, they... Uh, Gia was talking about the hit they have history. Right, so I think so. Uh, it but could then, be her just saying. Why would they have so many matches if she's right. always won? So it could be just her saying these are the championship matches I've won. I would hope so, because otherwise then there's some a lot logic of issues. Right. Uh, so Caleb with the K lets us know that after Madison wins, he's going to get his clap back on Mickey for slapping him last week. Madison goes to walk away, but Gia asks her about her scheduled interview with Inspiration later tonight and if it'll get in the way of her match. Madison says she has no idea what she's talking about, and they walk away. So I thought that was an odd little reference, saying you have an interview with them later. Wait, who? So basically that Madison Rain, because she's just replaced Tennille Dashwood, right, <laughs> is going to have a backstage interview where, where I forget what Madison, locker room talk, I think it was, right? Oh. So she's saying, you're, you're going to have inspiration for locker room talk tonight. Is that going to distract from your match? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So that does come back later. They don't really explain it well, but it does come back later. So she has no idea what this interview she's talking about. And Caleb does this. I think it's going to be a new thing. He goes, fact check, false, and gives a thumbs down before walking away. So I thought this was a pretty standard promo from Rain. Still no mention of Tennille Dashwood, who has just disappeared. And they've swapped Madison Rain in for her spot. It's pretty strange to me. Like, I don't know if you have a minute to look that up, if you can find out where Tennille Dashwood is, because I haven't yet. But it's just like no mention of her being injured or on hiatus. She's gone and they just subbed somebody in with her exact like entrance music. Um, Tron second. So she's got Caleb coming out with her. It's basically like we're not supposed to notice that it's a different person. It's very strange to me. Mm. So then after a commercial break, Gia's backstage again, this time with Austin and Fulton. She goes to ask Fulton about his match with Saban because they'll have that match tonight. But Ace Austin reminds her that last week he defeated the former world champion Saban. So sort of making it more about him than talking to Fulton. He says it's important and he should be celebrated. Typically, he says his jacket's not zipped up because he likes to show off his chest. But this week, he wants to un show off his new shirt. So he unzips his jacket and he has just a very generic looking like he got it at the t-shirt shop down the street. I beat Chris Saban t-shirt. He says he's been getting dirty looks for his very honest t-shirt. Fulton then just adds that tonight he's going to pick Saban apart. Ace finishes the segment by saying that Saban being torn limb from limb by Fulton is inevitable. So I thought this was a fine promo as well. Nothing special. Austin does sound more comfortable in promos than he used to. This feels uh, like these guys may be involved in an extended program with Saban, which I'm okay with more Saban-Austin matches because they're both really talented in the ring. The whole t-shirt thing you got made up and revealing it under your jacket was kind of lame. I think he could have just walked out wearing it to like take the time to build up to it and reveal it. Didn't do much for me. Uh, Eric Young comes out with Violent by Design, demands a microphone. He says Rhino made the wrong decision and that Rhino learned like they all learned that with choices come repercussions. 
He hasn't had to get his hands, this is Eric Young, hasn't had to get his hands dirty in six months because he's been injured, but it's time for him to re-enter the fold. It's time for the master designer of violence to get his hands dirty. He's ready to get back to business, and that begins tonight. A very young-looking guy heads to the ring, sunglasses, and D'Lo tells us he's a local from Las Vegas, but he doesn't provide us with a name. Eric Young asks him his name, and he says he's Jay Vidal, and he's from Las Vegas, and it's his first time ever on TV. Apparently, he's an indie worker from that area. Young says that he can feel Vidal's energy, and that's a sign that he has the sickness, but Young has the cure for that, and then the bell rings. It's an absolute squash with Eric Young getting the pin in about one minute after a powerbomb and then a pile driver. So I thought the promo by Young was good. He really does a great job in this character. It's just like I always say, right, he and his group need to start winning some matches. And I guess that's what we got here. Uh, match was a pure squash and nothing more. Like I can't even comment on um, this. What was his name? Vidal guy because he didn't do anything. But I think it's cool that he got on TV to make his debut sort of in his hometown. The crowd responded well to him, right? So he's clearly a local talent. So the inspiration, this is the reference to locker room talk. They walk into a room with the camera and lighting set up and the locker room talk graphic is on the screen behind them. So clearly they think they're showing up for uh, an interview with Madison Rain. But it's obviously a setup because Jesse and Cassie say that something doesn't seem right and then there's like a random distortion effect happens and the room changes to blue or purple lighting i don't know because i can't tell the difference <laughs> but it's one it's one of those two um so cassie and jesse try to leave the room but havoc and rosemary are sort of behind one of the doors as they go to leave i do believe it's jessica mckay and it seems like they're locked into the room at this point and cassie starts locked in the locker room yeah interesting cassie starts freaking out as inspiration are now trying to find some other way to get out of this room and then cassie is saying that she swears she saw rosemary and then sort of when jesse or jessica whatever turns her head to look there's nothing there but we also saw what Cassie saw. So she did actually see Decay there. Jesse lets Cassie, or sorry, tells Cassie to calm down and they're just going to find another way out of the room. And then they do leave the frame. We see a mirror sort of comes into focus that has the words turning point written on it in what I guess was lipstick or blood or something. I don't know. I imagine it's blood because Rosemary has to be right. like Spooky. That. Spooky, yes. So the decay gimmick, I mean, it's lost on me at this point. I really don't get any enjoyment out of it. I would have preferred that the inspiration get a chance to talk a bit more rather than just running around trying to escape. But the chemistry between those two is undeniable, right? They're really good friends. They've been working together. It's kind of like the whole Mox and Kingston energy. You can tell that they just really enjoy each other and they can sort of riff off of each other, right? So I found them amusing. Uh, they made this they kind of saved this segment. And I still don't know why WWE nixed them. I don't like, either. Just because, and, and the thing is, they're not good in ring, but WWE doesn't care about that really, right? right? Um, so I think these and two now can... now their tag division's can, crap. It is. They can really help Impact with their comedy segments because Impact has trouble in that area big time. And the inspiration for me, especially Jesse, because that's Billy Kay, right? Yep. I find her just really naturally funny. Like her delivery, her facial expressions. I think she's just a funny woman. So she can really help in, um, impact with some comedy stuff. We come back from another break. Yeah, she was really funny in the Rumble this year, remember? She's really with the, with the headshots. Yeah. yeah um, that was really funny. So back from the break, more inspiration. They say they're not interested in being Ghostbusters. And Gia says if that's the case, they better stay away from Kimberly and Brandy Loren. So here's a problem, Impact. This is you acknowledging that you have multiple, like, spooky 
women factions or tag teams. One is too many. Two is by far too many, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so the inspiration ask who they are and say, and basically um, Gia tells them that they're the undead brides. So the inspiration... Not the bridesmaids, though, because... The inspiration seemed to have a plan involving fighting ghosts with ghosts. I think Cassie says that or something. And they ask where they can find these bridesmaids before they walk off. So again, just these two interacting with each other is still amusing to me. All the ghost hunting stuff aside. In fact, their humor, humor and like silliness might really contrast the supernatural stuff. So it could make for better TV because I really don't have much use for Decay especially. And even Sue Young and her group haven't been doing anything lately. So if you can contrast it with just the humor of these two, it might actually help for me. We then move on to the Good Brothers taking on Finn Juice in a non-title match, as these two just continue to orbit each other for some reason. And if Finn Juice win this, they get a championship opportunity in the near future. So it's pretty standard stuff for the first half of this. The Good Brothers have to use cheap tactics to get advantage since Finjuice seem to be in control when things are kind of conducted fairly. Gallows, being the amazing ring generally is, holds a chin lock forever somewhere in the middle of this. Finjuice take control again after a Finley hot tag. Things finally start to pick up, but Bullet Club come down, attack everyone, and use... Um, championship belts to deliver low blows to everybody because low blows are the bullet club's thing that's all we really know about them they're heels and they hit people in the crotch <laughs> on a regular basis no character development beyond that so another match for me that was just starting to get interesting like the hot tag to finley was where the action was starting to pick up and then it was just suddenly over this time i think the official ruling was a no contest because bullet club came and took out everybody so it was a no contest kind of a waste of time but it's just to further this feud and then we'll see. So if you run in and attack both teams involved in a match with sort of title shot implications, what do you think should happen to you? You should also get a title shot. There you go. So you, anyways, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. So Johnny Swingers backstage, I think he's trying to sell his paintings or something, trying to gain some capital because he wants to buy a casino in Las Vegas. Hernandez shows up and suggests that Swinger is worried about the demon and that's why he's sort of escaping to Vegas, I guess. He says he's here to help Swinger, and Swinger agrees to let him help. So really short, but I have no interest in this. Swinger can be funny. His character, he does a good job. But if you're involved in a program with Hernandez and or the demon, I'm not interested. That's the bottom line. Mm. <laughs> so Finn Juice is backstage, and they're super angry about more Bullet Club interference and bullcrap. Demore says, so here you go. You were right. Basically, Demore says we'll see the Bullet Club face off with Finn Juice for a number one contenders match next week, and there will be a winner. So, attack teams randomly, break up a match, and get thrown into the mix for a number one shot. Right. Makes sense, right? Wrestling yeah. logic, there you go. Absolutely. And I hate this logic, right? Rewarding the team that attacks two others and breaks up a match with title shot implications by giving them sort of a chance to get a title shot. And Juice Robinson here trying to be angry did not work for me at all. Anything that fit with Finn Juice and Good Brothers together just feels stale at this point. There hasn't really been much of a development in the story. They're just still involved with each other. The only story between these three teams really is they know each other really well from Japan, right? And that's all they're right. giving us. Uh, I need more than that, especially from Bullet Club, who really, uh, I would argue, have been underdeveloped since arriving in uh, Impact Wrestling. We basically know next to nothing about them. They're heels, and they hit people in the balls. And that's what we know. 
We then get the Knockouts Championship match, which is Mickey James versus Madison Rain. So Mickey controls the action. Rain needs the help of Caleb to turn the tide. At one point, even James and Caleb are basically having a tug of war with uh, Rain being in the middle. Commentary are really working hard to try and convince us that Rain is a credible challenger for this belt. Rain does hit a nice cutter off of a Caleb distract distraction at one point. Caleb misses when trying to hit Mickey on the floor, and then he takes a nice bump as uh, she kind of throws him into the ring. Steps look pretty painful. And the finish comes right after that as Mickey James lands a kick and then the top rope meteora for the win in about seven and a half minutes. After the match, Mercedes Martinez slowly walks to the ring, gets a microphone. She congratulates Mickey, lets Mickey know that she has um, a lot of respect for her, but she's not here to praise Mickey. She's here to remind Mickey that Martinez won the Knockouts Knockdown Tournament and she wants her title match at Turning Point. So I thought the match was solid, not spectacular. Two experienced, very experienced veterans, right, having a match. Rain was clearly no more than a placeholder challenger in this. The outcome was never really in doubt. And there was just a very basic formula here. Not that that's bad. Babyface controls the action. Heel cheats to get an advantage and basically repeat until the babyface finally overcomes both Rain and Caleb. Kind of paint by numbers, but perfectly fine for what this was. Honestly, Martinez coming out might be the highlight of the show so far for me. I really like her and how she was presented in that Knockouts Knockdown tournament. She looked like an absolute killer. And I keep saying the Knockouts division needs some life. So I'm hoping that Martinez's arrival, um, it has me paying attention at least. So I'm hoping it adds something. She's excellent in the ring, good enough on the mic, and just a believable as a badass, I think. So I like her coming out to challenge here. So the inspiration, again, they're all over this show. They're now backstage looking for the undead bridesmaids, and they find them, but, and it's kind of made me laugh because they had to ask to make sure who that's, that that's who it is, right? Like, who else is this going to be? It's Brandy Loren and, and Kimberly in the makeup and whatever, and it's kind of like, right. are you guys, is that you guys? Who else could it be? But anyways, uh, inspiration say that they have a ghost problem, and they ask Kimberly and Brandy Loren to face decay on their behalf, Loren just basically says that mother is always looking for for more fresh souls and then they leave sort of laughing maniacally as inspiration are left to wonder if that was a yes. I feel like it was. Um, so kind of the same thoughts I had before. We've got a supernatural gimmick I don't care for, but the inspiration are funny. And I guess they're doing me a favor because they're pairing up with things I don't really enjoy and making it more entertaining. So I guess that I would have to say the inspiration's addition to Impact has been a good thing because they're interacting with people I don't really care for, but they're pulling out inter interesting and amusing segments. So Gia's backstage again with Matt Cardona, Josh Alexander, and Eddie Edwards. So it's the babyface half of the main event tonight. Alexander says uh, they all want the same thing, but for different reasons. He talks up his opponents, but says nothing will take his focus off of Moose. Josh starts to get a little bit heated here talking about Moose, and Eddie Edwards tells Josh not to let his emotions get the best of him. So that seems to be um, the angle now with Alexander, and Christian was the first one to call him out on it, and now it seems to be continuing going on here. So Cardona says that they all want the same thing, but they have to stick together, focus, and kick their ass. Alexander says tonight they're on the same page, but whatever happens next, happens next, and he just sort of walks away, leaving the other two standing there. So I think Josh Alexander's doing a really good job of just looking extremely pissed off and like he is close to losing his cool at any moment. 
And that makes sense given what he's gone through, right? All of this incredible build and this story about all of the things he's overcome from childhood to injuries, getting a shot at the title, winning the title, and then having it just yanked away from him in seven seconds from Moose. So he's just sort of hanging by a thread here trying to maintain his emotions. And Eddie kind of makes a good point because Moose has been attacking his wife as well. So he knows what it's like to have to control his anger directed at Moose and Morrissey as well. And then Cardona seems kind of awkwardly included in this. I think the idea is Moose um, beat him for the call your shot gauntlet, right? So I right. guess that's why he's there. But he feels kind of tacked on. But right. I like this segment overall. We then get Madman Fulton versus Chris Sabin. Fulton dominates with his size and power early, obviously, including catching uh, Chris Sabin's suicide dive and hitting a urinagi on the apron I thought was cool. Fulton even took to the skies a little bit with a second rope crossbody at one point. Saban eventually fights back, takes over with his quickness, couple of high-risk moves, torture rack into a face busters, what I called it by Fulton, looked pretty cool. And then shortly after that, Saban hits what looks like a tornado DDT, but he kind of holds on and turns it into an inside cradle for the win in just under four minutes. Saban escapes cleverly the post-match heel attack and heads up the ramp. Again, this was kind of too short to be very much, but it wasn't bad. Uh, I think Fulton has improved a lot and is a pretty decent big man, especially for a, a company like Impact. He is totally fine big man here. Um, he controlled a lot of the action in this match, and I imagine this is going to lead us back, as I said before, to a Saban-Austin match, which I am totally fine with. Main event time. It is Moose, Morrissey, Minoru Suzuki taking on Matt Cardona, Eddie Edwards, and Josh Alexander. So this is my favorite note of my whole note-taking. So they did individual entrances for all six of these guys, and they literally took longer to get through those entrances than any match on this show so far, right? So it was like nice. almost eight minutes, and the longest match I think was seven and a half, but I thought that was pretty strange. Also strange, seeing Minoru Suzuki wrestling at Impact Wrestling for me is just bizarre. As someone who's watched TNA slash Impact throughout the years to see Minoru Suzuki well, and there their is previous treatment of right. New Japan right. guys. Uh, so the faces all hit dives to the floor at one point. The heels eventually isolate Cardona for quite a while. Morrissey tags in a few times and then basically lands a punch and kick or two and then immediately tags out. They're really sort of hiding him in this multi-man tag match, which I think is wise. The ref misses the potential hot tag to Edwards at one point, so they continue the beatdown of Cardona. Alexander finally tags in, takes the fight to Moose, including three German suplexes. And then Edwards and Alexander double-team Morrissey, leading to a blue thunderbomb from Eddie. Things break down, all six brawl in the ring, as Stryker is really overly dramatic about the whole thing at this point. Suzuki saves Moose from a C4 spike, then hits, uh, Suzuki actually hits his gotch piledriver on Alexander, and then moments later, everybody else has been sort of cleared out of the ring. It's uh, Morrissey and Eddie Edwards left, and Morrissey hits a big powerbomb to Edwards for the win after about 11 minutes of action. I thought the final few minutes of this match were really fun, but the majority of the middle portion was Cardona being the face in peril with nothing really exciting from the heels in terms of their offense against him. There was too much Cardona in this, especially just selling, and not enough Alexander or Suzuki, but I guess maybe they're saving that for an individual match. I thought it was a decent main event, got a lot of people involved, but nothing great considering who was involved, right? I'm a big fan of Moose, of Suzuki, of Alexander. Um, and it was mostly Cardona in for the baby faces. So not exactly how I would have presented this match, but I don't think it was bad. So overall, 
I was not a big fan of this show. Nothing in the ring really stood out, and that's a shame because the opener really should have, in my opinion. But again, it was only given five minutes. All of the other matches outside of the main event were short and unspectacular, and I thought the main event was just decent. The inspiration made the most of their multiple segments with Decay and the Bridesmaids, and the main event babyface team had a good promo along the way. For me, the highlight of this show, and it's kind of sad, like for NXT, right, the highlight was that brief hmm. interaction with so here it was mercedes martinez coming out and appearing uh, and challenging mickey for their for the championship and that was about 90 seconds of the show and it was probably my favorite so i'm giving this episode of impact a canadian c or a six and a half out of ten basically there is literally nothing that i would recommend anyone go out and see if you're not an impact viewer i always hope there's like man you gotta go out and see this x division match or you need to go see this main event that is not the case this week there is not really anything you need to see. All right, so that, I think, is the only thing we're going to talk about in any other rest. Oh, we did see, briefly, 205 Live, right? We watched, uh, what was it, Her Erica, I forget, the girl from China, the CrossFit yeah. lady that's super jacked. So we watched her take, remember, what was your annoyance? What was the, her opponent? <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm pretty sure they said Valentina Feroz before. Valentina Feroz now, and surprisingly, Feroz won the match, right? Uh, for Roz. I, I didn't think, oh my goodness, what was her name? Erica, I forget Yen her last name. or something. I, I thought she looked decent. She has an impressive look. Like I don't she's, know why she lost, though. She's really ripped. Yeah, I was surprised she lost, Because Valentina too. is a regular jobber. And I don't think the match was amazing, but I thought it was already better than some of the stuff we see on NXT 2.0, right? right? So, interesting. But anyways, I guess that's going to bring us to our final segment, where Jack's going to update us. I don't I said I don't think you said there's not a ton this week. I have one thing. But we're going to talk about the world of wrestling action figures and that is figuring it out with Jack. Um yeah, we the only thing I found was some render images for Basic 127 and nice. as we know Basics are the greatest wrestling they figures are the known best. to mankind. Yep. Um we uh there's Shane Baszler in like a black and gold gear which that's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure it's just another uh, head scan reuse, like the ponytail one. Right. They need to, on her next Elite, they need, like, since they're obsessed with interchangeable heads. Yeah. And, like, now all the heads are interchangeable anyways. Like, yep. I think you can just take them off whenever you want. Yep. Um, I think they just need a hair down head scan for her because they still haven't done that. You would think because that would be, like, a clear difference you could do, right? Right. Yeah. And Or even just put that on the default figure. Like, I'm not saying you have to include both. Obviously, that would be ideal. Right. But... So, yeah, it's just a head scan reuse and then, like, painted on, like, even, like, her top, it doesn't even look like it's sculpted on at all. Yeah. Like, it just looks, like, painted on. Cause the basics, like, I remember YouTube were pointing this out. They just look so flat because they're just, like, they're so plain. There's, there's no depth to them, right? There's no yeah. depth. There's no real effort. Like, everything pretty much is painted on. Right. Um, Shayna Baszler, both of her hands are, like, the open palm one, which I hate. Yep. Because, like, how, how is she supposed to punch people? Right. Like, even just, like, the open mic holding hands, those work enough. Cause right, I so always at least keep, a sort of a fist. I always keep those on because they're close enough to a fist, and you can still hold stuff. Yep. Um. Next, we have a uh, Rey Mysterio, and, like, he's kind of, like, this weird dark olive green, and he's got a bit of white to him. And he, he's got, like, um this head scan that's, like, similar to his Elite one that they've been using lately. Just accept it. Um, it's not smiling. It's not right. mouth open. So it's a little different, I guess. And the sing he has like it he has one of those super short singlets. Like it's under his belly button. It's really weird. <laughs> but and that's painted on too. Like again, not sculpted whatsoever. Right. I hate painted on singlets, especially like because they've done that a few times on the elites. Yeah. And it just it looks 
off. Like, you just need some sculpting there. Otherwise, it just looks like weird lines on his torso for right. some reason, I find. Um, so that one's okay. Then we have Keith Lee, who um, it's he's got, like, the red logos, and this is his updated singlet look. Awkward timing for that one. Yeah. Well, and it's not even, like, I guess it's not even that updated because it's, um, it's pre- it's not Bearcat. Um, it's yeah it's pretty bear cat <laughs> it looks like he actually has the old elbow joint style which yeah. that's good because i the the current basic ones they kind of like twist and like i don't know the old elbow joints are better where it's just like yeah they only move back and forward um the singlet looks at least sculpted on so i guess there's that but i don't i still don't like that look for him with the singlet right um then we have santa escobar from halloween havoc last year where he had the day of the dead face paint and he was wearing cool. the ray mysterio tights cool yeah so that that one's kind of cool that would be a really nice elite. Like if he was um the chase variant for that for elite eighty seven that he was in, that would have been a cool variant yeah. like that because that would be something people would want. And then uh finally we have Walking Wild. He's got like a black suit and like a gold chain necklace and then the same face paint that right. Escobar had. That's cool. And I think he also comes with like a black and gold luchador mask. Yep. Like kind of like that. I remember that Andrade and Selena Vega battle pack. Yes. That kind of thing where like you can put it on and cool. take it off. And then the Chase variant, I think, is just the same figure minus face paint. Yep. So that's cool. Yep. And yes. That is it. all? Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of episode 68 of the FNS Wrestling Podcast. Again, take a look probably tomorrow for a quick little recap and review of AEW Rampage that we'll sort of get to when we can get to it. And I don't know, is there a pay-per-view coming up or something? When's... Uh, full gears in 10 days. Nice. So we'll definitely review that one, um, 100%. Survivor so. Series will be towards the end of the month. Yep. So we'll we'll probably watch for sure and review more than likely both of those shows. So just thanks again for any time that you spend listening to us talk about wrestling. We'll absolutely be back next Saturday for episode 69. and again looking for something to come out probably tomorrow about rampage so we'll for sure see you back here next saturday and until then take care